10 to 1, episode 104. Board Games, 2018. Welcome to 10 to 1, the podcast where we make top 10 lists about everything. I'm Brian Kozer. And I'm Melissa Kozer. And today we're joined by two very special guests, good friends of ours, Joe and Heather Wiggins. Tell us about yourselves. Hey, Joe welcome Heather. to the podcast. Yeah, that too. Hey. Okay. Thanks. The, the, <laughs> thanks for uh, inviting us into your uh, your podcast lounge. This is, a, this is a really nice place you guys have here. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Refreshments, leather couches. I mean, this is... Uh, <laughs> This is really doing it up nice, so thanks for inviting us. We've spared no expense, let me tell you. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. The flight down was lovely. It was. <laughs> um, so uh, uh, my name is Joe, and I am here with my lovely wife and my favorite gaming partner, Aww. Uh, Heather. And uh, to give you a little background on ourselves, uh, I actually met uh, Brian and Melissa in Mobile, Alabama, when they had just moved, and me being the outgoing person uh, that I was, I was playing games at a board game store, and they just had happened to just wander into the board game store just to look around. And yeah. I know that's something I do when I go to a new city is I'm like, oh, let's find a board game store. <laughs> uh, and so they had just wandered into a store that was called Gamers and Geeks, and I was sitting there playing games with, I think, the only two other people in Alabama that play <laughs> board games. Uh <laughs> Uh, Jay and Greg and you guys walked in and I noticed uh, the one of you was wearing a t-shirt that was from Pensacola Christian College which is a college uh, I knew about yeah uh, and I was like hey these guys walked into the store uh, they're wearing a shirt about something that like one in like a million people might yeah. understand <laughs> or something. And I was like, Oh, this is a perfect opportunity to say hi. And I think we started playing games pretty regularly mm -hmm. uh, from that point forward. We played games at least a dozen times because I left very shortly after that. that right. But we played sad. games. <laughs> yes. Uh, but we did play games very often uh, from there. And uh, I moved up to Cleveland uh which is like the mecca of uh, <laughs> board game hobbies. Uh, I, I like to, yeah, I like to say in Cleveland that if you feel like driving 10 minutes, uh, you can play board games every night of the week if you want to. That's crazy. Um, there are just meetups with hundreds of people just always going on. Wow. There's just always something board gaming happening, um, which is very different than Alabama right. where we met. <laughs> um but, uh, but so a little bit more about me is uh, I kind of fell in love with board gaming. It became a hobby of mine and became something that I was very passionate about and was able to uh, turn into my full-time career. Uh, I work at Panda Games Manufacturing, uh, um, where I am a project manager, and we like to think of ourselves as uh, quote unquote board game experts. <laughs> and uh, the reason that we do that is because basically what my job is, is people come up with an idea for a game and call me and say, hey, Joe, I want to make this board game. And I walk them through the entire process. I walk them through mm. components, through Kickstarter strategy, every, I mean, A to Z till it gets to the backer's hands. I help 
brand new people with. I work on a team within Panda called Team Indie. So my job is actually specializing in working with smaller publishers Hmm. and even first time people. So that's really what I do for a living. Uh, That's how I make my money. And uh, (laughs) it's a a lovely thing. I love uh, it. It really is. I love seeing the blood, sweat and tears. I mean, (laughs) I I have to treat each of these games like they're these people's babies because Mm -hmm. they are. They've put so much time and effort and love and money into this. And this is such a big investment of all of that. But that's what I get to do. And that's, uh, I guess, uh, a little bit about my brief uh, overture of my board gaming history. And I just married him. (laughs) By default, I have to love board games also, or it's not going to work with us. No, but I really do. He found board games, and he was like, hey, I want you to come and play these games with me. I'm like, okay, I like board games. But then getting into hobby board games and playing them and just getting to the deeper strategy games, I just fell in love with them so much. And it's hmm. I love figuring out the puzzle of board games, and I think that's why I love playing them so much. You should, uh, you should really quickly tell them the viticulture story. So he, <laughs> Joe would always try to get me to play games with him, and I would, but life was really busy, so I was like, it takes like four hours to play this game, and <laughs> but I could do so many other things in four hours, so while I enjoyed the game, it was kind of like, hurry up and get this done so I mm. can get these things checked off my list. And then one day, we were out on a date, so I had nothing else that I had to do, and um, we were playing this game, it was Viticulture, yeah. and it was the first time that like a game clicked with me hmm. and I understood and I was like oh I want to do this thing and then when the game ended I was like no it can't end I need one more turn to make my thing <laughs> and so then I was like oh okay that's when board gaming just really hmm. I just fell in love with them and it just sparked that interest and it gave me a little taste of something that I had never had before that I loved and wanted to pursue further awesome that's wonderful. Uh, ever since that I like just I like to say that uh, some people, you know, that I play games with are like, oh, my husband or my wife isn't into board gaming, but I Mm. am. And I say it's probably because they haven't played the right game. Hmm. I think everyone has a game where it clicks. I think some people, it doesn't matter what the game is. They're just built for this. But Mm -hmm. I think there is a certain game out there for everybody that when they play it, they're going to be like, oh, yeah, I can I, I can do this hobby. Yes, and I'll agree with that. I've often thought, like, this is the golden age of board games. And there are so many different themes and types that there, like you said, there is something out there for everybody, every player type. And so if people aren't into hobby board gaming, they just haven't found the right game for them yet. (laughs) It's just like, oh, well, I'm not really into marriage, you know. Well, you just haven't (laughs) found the right person yet, that's all. That's interesting. That's, yeah, Me too. That's, that's absolutely. <laughs> and hey, you know, if you are into that bachelor lifestyle, they're solo games. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> nice. Yeah, and I guess we could have uh, we could have introduced you guys a little bit more because yeah, sorry, we that's uh, you guys actually have been on our podcast before when we uh, visited. Oh yeah, for our road oh, trip last true. summer. Uh, we we took our microphone around and uh, we brought our lounge with us. Yeah, you guys were one of our stops. And, <laughs> and, uh, you tour bus. <laughs> so yeah, so welcome back to the podcast. I think we, we were the said. number one of that top ten list. <laughs> oh yeah, for yeah, sure. that's true. Well, you were our first stop, so you were the number one. <laughs> cool. So uh, let's see. Uh, anything else we want to say before we start? Um, so we've been doing this for a few years, listing our top ten. So you mentioned. 
uh, playing with Jay. We had him on a couple years ago. Last year, we had uh, Clint on, who uh, started coming to Gamers and Geeks, I think, after you guys left. And uh, so it's, so we've been doing it for a little bit, so we're probably going to have some repeats. I don't know that we'll necessarily get in depth into the games that we've been talking about for the past few years, but if you guys want to discuss anything, definitely bring that up. Um, and there was some, some other thing I was going to bring up. Mm, that's okay. Maybe it'll come to me. We'll, we'll just, uh, we'll start going. Was there anything you guys wanted to mention about how you made your list? Was it, was it easy to put together your list? Hard to put it together? So, um, I've made top 10 lists of my board games, uh, for, for a while. Um, but recently in the last couple of years, I haven't put together a full top 10. And everyone's tastes change. And I like to be very honest with my top tens. I don't like to just be like, oh, well, this is my number one. So this will stay my number one. Um, but my first four were very easy. And my six through nine mm-hmm. were just kind of a jumbled mess. <laughs> um, and it's very arbitrary uh, which ones are in which place. And I, I don't know if this is true of everybody else, but my number 10 is the hardest hmm. because when I put my number 10 on, I'm cutting off like five or six other runner ups. Yeah, that's true. So it's like number one through nine felt solid. And then when I got to 10, I was like, here's a list of seven games that could be top 10 games Mm -hmm. given the day or the weather. Mm -hmm. And once I picked one, the other ones just had to fall by the wayside, which made me very sad. Yeah. For me with the board games, it's usually my top five are solid. And then it's like, Six through twenty are what you just described. Well, I feel kind of the same about all of these. They're all fun, good games, and it just depends on the mood and and who I'm playing with and stuff as to whether mm-hmm. this is my current number six or not. Uh, yeah, so for so for making my list, um, I'm if the listeners haven't picked up on this by now, uh, I'm very much a cult of the new kind of person. <laughs> uh, whatever we recently played is very likely to make my list because it's fresh <sighs> in my mind. Uh, that's just the way of it. Uh, there are, of course, some perennial blooms. They're always there. But for the most part, uh, it's going to be with just what's recently gotten to the table this last year. Yeah. Well, and that makes the podcast more fun if we have new stuff to talk about. So I yeah, know, but I, I feel a little... Uh, I guess flighty, <laughs> uh, fair weather board gamer almost can't can't stick to the tried nice. and true stuff. Uh-huh. But so, board games are so fun because there's constantly new ones coming out, so you don't have to. True. I mean, yeah. there's always the good old favorites, but I mean, definitely mix it up and, with the new stuff. And you know, I'm the absolute opposite. Um, <laughs> I I play lots and lots and lots of new games. And man, it is rare that a game cracks my top 10, like, or my top 25, really, because there are games that I play. And when I play them, I'm like, I love this. And uh, I'm a very harsh critic of board games, like extremely, I'm very hard on them, uh, very critical. And so when I like a game, and I know I like it, it's something that I think is very special. And so for me, that top 10 list is, uh, it's a hard nut to crack for a brand new 
game coming out. It's got a lot. Of, it's got a lot of work to do. And for me personally, it has to live up to repeat plays. Mm. So your top mm-hmm. ten list has been tried and refined and purified seven times in the furnace, <laughs> and it truly is the most golden top ten list <laughs> of all. I wouldn't say that. I would say for me that would be true, but everyone's tastes are different. Right. Um, yeah. I have one game that came out this year that did manage to crack my top 10 <laughs> and I have one kind of cheat game from the last two years. Yeah. Uh, and I believe every other game on my list is at least four to five years old <laughs> at, right. for the most recent. Some are as some are decades old. So interesting. Okay. Yeah. I, uh, uh, similar to what you guys were saying, uh, it was a little bit hard to get it down to just 10, but it did help that I could come up with excuses to leave off a bunch of them. Now, so bear they in were. Mind, Brian is the one who's already made a top 100, and every year he does it, redoes his top 50 just for oh, kicks. I, I redo the top one, 100. But uh, <laughs> oh, we're only talking about 10 today. <laughs> um, but uh, I. I can come up with excuses like, okay, well, I only played that game once, so how much do, I, how high can I really put it, having only played it once? Or it's very similar to another game that's uh, on the top ten list, so I'll just rank it lower, so that I'm not talking about two similar games, stuff like that. So it wasn't too bad. And then I did remember what I was going to say earlier, and that that uh, I have heard Joe's uh, at least his top ten at the time um, from his uh, board game podcast that he was doing. So I'm at least familiar with the types of games. Uh, I know Joe mm-hmm. likes really heavy games. It's going to be pretty different than the ones that we're uh, going to have on our lists and probably different than a lot of the ones that the listeners are familiar with. Um, so that's going to be exciting. And then I, I have pretty much no idea what Heather likes. I know some of the games that she said she likes, but I don't know any of them that are going to be on her, her top 10 list. Well, Viticulture is probably a good <laughs> Yeah, that one might show up. I guess we'll have to wait and we'll see. see. Yeah, so tell us about how you made your list, Heather, real quick. Um, I wrote down all the games that I love playing and made like, it was <sighs> pros and cons about each. <laughs> Pro- not even pros and cons about each. <laughs> I'm, it's probably my list changes constantly because I wrote down, these are all the games that I remember having a great time playing. It's very emotion driven. Mm. It's basically how, how much I enjoyed each of the game, which I guess would be a true top 10. And then I just kind of from that list picked and pulled and put them on, put them in order. I think it's very, so the the number one was a shoe in. The number one, yeah, I mean, that's just automatic. Okay, <laughs> forget the rest. Now I'm just focusing on nine. It's so good to have you on the podcast, Heather, because I've got somebody who is just like me around finally. <laughs> yeah, I'm just like, um, what do I like? What do I feel like playing right exactly. now? That's what made. That's what made my list. Or what game made me mad the last time I played it, and that one's off. <laughs> oh, that was in trouble. So that one's off. <laughs> nice. <Yep. laughs> Okay. Very emotional. All right. Well, cool. I'm looking forward to it. So anything else before we get started? I think you were going to say earlier, uh, do you think we'll have any crossovers? And I'm going to say oh, maybe between spouses, but probably not otherwise. I don't think I have any of those. Does anyone <laughs> think that they possibly, possibly could have one game on my list also on their top ten list? I could possibly um, have one, but... We'll see. All right. Yeah, possibly. I, I would be I would be very excited if any of my <laughs> top tens are on anyone else's lists. I think, uh, yeah, unlikely but possible. 
So I guess we'll just <laughs> we'll just have to go and see. All right. Well, I will go ahead and get it started then. Uh, my number ten is Suburbia. I, I, this game. I you don't hate it. You don't like it as much as this I is do. A bad game. <laughs> <laughs> um, Brian's like, it, I'll tell you how you feel. You don't it, hate it. <laughs> is Brian about to drop some of that sweet, sweet Kickstarter money? <laughs> well, how did you know? <laughs> um, it's been that, a sore point. Well, <laughs> yes, I am excited about the uh, deluxe version coming out on Kickstarter, and um, the I, I already like it with the uh, the ugly version right now. Um, so it is nice that a, a nice version coming out, but it's a, it's a city building game. So I really like city building and, I uh, I just like the, uh, it's a very simple, uh, tiles are coming out and you pay more for a tile that, um, has not been out available, uh, for as long. So you can always pay more to get something, but, uh, for most of the game, you're going to be, um, getting things that cost less, but you're going to have to be patient to get them. Uh, so then you're uh, building your city with all these different tiles and just the way that um, all the different building types work together uh, between uh, your borough of the city and then other people's boroughs. Um, just looking for those synergies and uh, trying to figure out what the other players are going for. And uh, yeah, I uh, I like the theme and really like the gameplay. It's pretty simple um i feel like for uh, a city building that probably uh, i'm sure there are simpler but um and and i guess there are some uh, complexities with just having to check a bunch of uh things so having to check every time you place a tile if it affects something that you've already done if it affects anything else anybody else has done uh, so that is a little bit fiddly um but it's still one that i really enjoy all right, so to clarify, I don't yet hate this game. <sighs> However, it is it's working its way there onto the list of games that I only play if I'm really wanting to please Brian um, <laughs> and, and be a sweet wife. Because this last time that we played it, Brian got this ability that let him have endless money so he could buy whatever tile he wanted. And like, don't get me wrong, I like the game play. It's very similar to another game that I like. And uh, it's it's fun seeing your little city build, grow and stuff. That's great. Um, but Brian had all this money he could spend. And yeah, I mean, he was just throwing it around. He could do whatever he want. Never a worry. He was a millionaire. I worked. I, the common <laughs> man, worked and scraped and pinched and saved and ended up I was going to beat Brian, and I worked my butt off to nice. get to that point. And then because I was one dollar short, <gasps> and I didn't, oh. I wasn't couldn't able do to last do move. the one thing yeah. that I couldn't do <laughs> that I really, I couldn't do anything on my last move. And so I had to just create a lake instead. And because of the, because of that, because I made a lake hmm. instead of anything else that yeah. I could have done if I'd had one more dollar. I got my hidden bonus. Brian got 35 extra points. No, it's it like, like you know, ridic ridiculous. It wasn't that much, but... Stupid amount. And I was like, I'm done with this game for a while because okay, I worked yeah. so hard to, and I was gonna honestly win and then Brian bribed some city officials and, uh, you know, became president of the of the town or whatever it's just it was dumb huh. well any game that leads to such a great story must huh. be a great game have you guys played this one 
No, I've never played it, but if I would have that experience, I'd be right there with Melissa. Like, <laughs> this game is off the list. Never playing it again. <laughs> uh, I've played Suburbia uh, quite a few times, and I really, really like uh, city building games. Mm -hmm. And uh, you will see that city building games uh, are a big part of my list. This one didn't make it. This one is um, a bit more medium weight than the way I usually like my games. Right. But this one, I've had some enjoyable plays of it. Cool. All right, well, that was my number 10, Suburbia. All right, my number 10 is, uh, I, I doubt it'll be on you guys' list because it's a very light game, uh, but we got it, uh, what was it, two years ago for our wooden anniversary. It's Crokinole, C-R-O-K-I-N-O-L-E. Cool. It's just a fun name, and that's why it made my list. No, um, it's uh, <laughs> this big, round, uh, wooden board, and it's a... Uh, it's a huge circle with walls, and you've got these little pegs in the middle surrounding a, a hole, and you're trying to flick your discs into the center. That's all you're trying to do. But the first person that goes, they're just trying to flick their disc into the middle. Then every person that goes after that, they have to try and hit an opposing team member's color first and then get into a certain area. Um, and so... It uh, it's really fun. Uh, you learn that you're uh, you're maybe a lot stronger <laughs> than you might have thought you were, and uh, it, it's really like a really lightweight game, and uh, doesn't sound very interesting the way I'm just <laughs> describing it, I guess. But it's good, really fun. You should check it yeah. out. Uh, I first played this at a ladies' retreat mm. at Camp of the Pines, and. Uh, was pretty sold on it from there on out. So Brian got it for me for our wooden anniversary. Yeah. From beyond the podcasting grave, Ryan Metzler is applauding. <laughs> <laughs> That's really cool. I've never played that game or even heard of it, but I like dexterity games because you're like, oh, flick this in the middle. That's so easy. And then all mm -hmm. of a sudden your piece is flying across the room <laughs> and cracked a window. You're like, whoa, what happened? Yeah. Well, no, and dexterity it's games are fun. It's very accessible, like anybody can play it, and like I've never seen this go down poorly with anybody. Everybody always has a great time. <laughs> All right, so that's my number 10, Crokinole. So my number 10 is Viticulture, and we kind of talked nice. about it earlier a little bit, but that's, for me, the game that started it all, so it can't not be on the list. Mm. But essentially, it's a game about uh, making wine. But you have to grow your own, <laughs> grow your own grapes, plant your own vineyards, take care of them, harvest the grapes, and then um, figure out which different types of wine that you want to make. Age them the right way. Combine your red and white to make a rosé, and all while fulfilling client orders. People are ordering these wines from you, and you've got to fulfill the orders to get money to be able to, you know, take care of your crops and plant more and grow more in the whole cycle of business. And so just figuring out how to get to from point A to like point L to make the whole <laughs> string work together to me was so fun. And that was the first time I figured out the puzzle of a game and this affects this, which affects this, which affects that. And just seeing it come together was so cool for me. Mm. And there's different seasons that you go through. There's summertime for a couple of rounds and then it's wintertime for a couple of rounds and that affects your crops and what you can do and planning. You have to always be planning like three turns ahead to stay ahead of the game. And just the whole conglomeration of it coming together, just it was so great for me. And I, this game is awesome. I love it. Awesome. So that's my number 10. 
Viticulture is a good game to get drunk to, too. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not serious to that. I wouldn't know. <laughs> I uh, I like it. I, I want to play it again. I've only played it, I think, once, maybe once twice. Or twice. I think just once. Um, but it's good. It's uh, it's one of the girl Bopolo <laughs> games. Which is uh, our acronym for games I really like, but only played once long ago. Gotcha. Girl Bopola. Nice. The thing that makes that game even better, it's 10 times better with the expansions. I don't think I'll yeah, ever play yeah. it not with the expansions. They just add really nice features to it. Nice. I think Viticulture is like the quintessential worker placement game mm-hmm. just because in a lot of worker placement games, uh, it's very much about feeling bad. Um, <laughs> and in Viticulture, no matter what action you take, you feel good. You're like, oh, I get this little bonus or I get this mm. little thing. Like it's always like positive effects, which is kind of like the Stonemeyer aesthetic is like everything you do feels positive. Mm. Whereas there's a lot of games that try to make a lot of like decisions very tough and very harsh and you never feel good about making a move. You just kind of have to make a move. So the game ends. And, uh, so Viticulture is a very accessible game, I think. Nice. Cool. Yeah. So Viticulture there, my number 10. So my number 10, uh, was a very tough choice. Cause like I said, uh, I had to pick this from a list of like seven or eight runner ups and I probably erased and put in different one, probably five or six times. Um, but finally I landed on number 10 and the reason that it was so tough to, to make this a number 10, because this is a game I really do love, but it's a game that is very, very, very difficult to play hmm. with people that do not know the game. This is not something I would play with, with a table of people that have never played this before. Hmm. Um, and this game is called Container. Uh. So in the game of Container, uh, what you're doing is you are playing shipping companies and you are manufacturing goods. Other people are buying those goods from you and you are buying other people's goods to store in your warehouses. Then you are selling your boats to other people's warehouses to buy their goods. At the end, you will take your boat with some or full of goods to a island, which will initiate an auction between all of the players. Um, and at the end of the game, whoever has won uh the amount of containers that equals their hidden scoring's most points. So uh, I might have black containers worth 10, but Melissa might have black containers only valued at two for her end game condition, which is secret from the other players. Hmm. So you never know what your container load is worth in, in relation to other people. So you never know if you're actually giving them a really good deal hmm. in the auction or not. Now, the thing that makes this game very, very uh, different and very, very tough to play with new players is it is what's known as a closed economy game. So all of the manufacturing mm-hmm. and buying and selling and trading and auctioning, all of this is done. And there is not a bank of money, which you are pulling from like most games, like most games, if you need $5 or you, you know, you get $5, you just take it from the pile of money. In this game, all the players are paying each other their own money. And the influx of money into the game is very small. So what you're doing is really just trading money from one hand to another. So if I sell you a bunch of goods, but you pay me a lot of money, and all of a sudden I have so much money, I'm controlling the economy of the game. And because of that, the game can break down because the economy is very flexible. There's not a lot Hmm. of rules to container. It's Hmm. much more about... uh, 
the atmosphere of the play. Uh, basically, the players kind of create an ecosystem in the economy of the game. It's very different uh, than most games that you play. It, it's kind of like a little mini economic simulation. Um, and it's very interesting. And I've watched games of this just go down in fire <laughs> where just things are just get valued out of control. Everyone takes loans. No one can do anything. And just everyone's in massive debt. And basically we have to pull the plug on the game. But I've also had games of this that are some of the best game experiences I've ever had. <laughs> um, so I- I've really fallen in love with this game. And it is one of my favorites, but it is a tough one to put on a top 10 list. Nice. Sounds cool. I've never I... played this game, but the components are beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I know. It looks gorgeous. Yeah. Well, it... it sounds it sounds really interesting, but like I'd probably be the one to break it because I'd be like, sell it all <laughs> for whatever price. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I, I, I've definitely broken the game a few times myself, just trying some weird things. Uh, and sometimes they work out, but other times, yeah, it just it really uh, makes things really crazy. Cool. Yeah, this is uh this is one that I would I would like to check out at some point. It it looks pretty interesting. And uh isn't there wasn't there a card game that came out that was like container and um like a glory to Rome that you were doing something with, Joe? So import export, import, export. Uh, is a game that was also designed by a good friend of mine, Jordan Draper. And it's kind of a mixture between container and uh glory to Rome. It's much more glory to Rome than container. It oh, okay. just has the theme of shipping containers. Gotcha. Um, so, but, but it's definitely a, a very good, easily, ex- uh, I would say easily accessible, but easier <laughs> to find a version of glory to Rome. Gotcha. Okay, cool. And that's my number 10 container. All right. My number nine is Viticulture. Woo. Crossover. Yay! Uh, so I don't really, I won't really add too much. I will say I really like how, uh, as you have the, uh, grapes and the wine, the longer you hold it, the more valuable it gets. I think that's a pretty cool mm-hmm. concept that you're, uh, the longer you hold onto resources, the more they're worth. I thought that was pretty cool. And everything else you said. But if you hold onto them too long, right. they can expire. True. And it's this delicate balance. Yeah, there's there's so much uh, timing that you have to get right in that game. And I've, I've only played a couple times and haven't been able to get the timing either time, but uh, definitely want to play this one some more. I like playing viticulture and uh, doing the strategy where I never make wine. And I'm just like, oh, this gives me a point. This gives me a point. I'll just like show a tour of my empty warehouse over and over and, and over wins. again. And, just, and he wins. And I do. Like, huh. Because everyone's trying to set up this beautiful engine with all of this time. And I'm like, point, 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 point done. Interesting. Oh, do you need any grapes? No. Uh, There's wow. Pull out this empty room. Because it is a race, and if you put that pace really high, uh-huh. it really messes with people's strategies. <laughs> and people don't like to wreck their pretty thing they're trying to make in that game. Yeah. Huh. That's interesting. I'll have to keep my don't eye open do for that. I call it the penny strategy. Everywhere you can just yeah. get one point, just take it immediately. Everywhere where there's a point, just that's the action you take for that turn. Huh. That's interesting. I do really like. Uh, uh, pushing at the edges in games and, and figuring out what works and what doesn't. So that that is fun. I'm very much one to get bored with a game very yeah. fast and like be like, oh, I'm going to try this random thing that everyone thinks won't work. Like if I hear something, like yeah. if there's something that I see in a game that's like a weird strategy, I'm like, oh, that's what I'm going to try. Nice. All right. Well, that's my number nine, Viticulture. 
All right, my number nine, continuing on with the light stuff, is Balderdash, a party uh, game where uh, you have five different categories. You can have these weird random words or uh, these stupid sounding movies, these funny laws, and you're making up uh, a definition for the word or uh, uh, an ending to the law or a plot to the movie and, and some other stuff like that. And... Uh, this is dep- this is dependent on having a better group of people. So uh, <laughs> people that know how to write. Yeah, that's part of it. Um, people that have some—I mean, even just a little bit of imagination too. Mm. Uh, I'm <laughs> sorry, but there are just some people out there who cannot cannot think up anything imaginary. And bless yeah, hearts, Jay. this game is not for them. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, with with just about everybody else, this is a great game, and I love how it just uh, at first everybody's trying to figure out uh, what's the correct answer because there's one correct answer amid all of those. Somebody's writing down the actual answer, um, and then eventually it just devolves into well, I'm just going to vote for that one because that was a really funny and clever answer, <laughs> uh, and sometimes that ends up being the the correct one anyway. That's cool. I've never played that. I've heard oh, about yeah, it a million it. times, but I've never played. <laughs> it sounds awesome, and it sounds like a game that's like right up my alley that I yes. would really love. I like I like this type of party game. Mm. I like so I like party games in the proper setting. You know, like like a party. It's light. It's casual. You have the idea. I don't like showing up to a game night and then be like, "This is what we're playing," and I'm sure. like, "Oh." Great. But like, I really like this style of game. It really suits like my sense of humor Mm. and like how I think, how my mind works. And so I really enjoy this social type of game where it's more about like really trying to be clever and like in some ways outwit people. And that's where I really like to find it. Mm. Plus, Melissa Winsor having the game that's the funnest to say, (laughs) Balderdash. Yep. I'm just looking through my list and I agree. Balderdash, very good. Yeah, my uh, second favorite party game. That's very good. Well, thank you. I'm glad everybody approves. My number nine, <laughs> Balderdash. So my number nine is Roads and Boats. It's a wow. slaughter game. And I this game is so fun because it's just like, here you go, do stuff. <laughs> and literally, every I've never played two games that are even almost the same. I mean, the winning... The win condition is, what is it, 20 points or something like that? And you can only get points in two ways, by a gold certificate or something else that you turn gold into. What is it? She, she, she's, <laughs> she's looking at me for uh, answers here, uh, and I am going to hold my tongue oh, on this game for the time being. Yeah. <laughs> I love that this is one of your top 10 games, Heather, and you don't, and don't really know, know how it works. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, it's been a... I have a baby. It's been a long yeah. time since I've played a new game. On. Let's just be honest. I'll cut your slack. Thank you. But um, there's only... You, you can only win by getting victory points, obviously. And there's only two ways to get victory points. But yeah. the there's about 800 different ways to get to those two ways to yeah, get victory that's points. Crazy. And so it makes it so fun. And literally, you have the game board and a giant piece of plexiglass that you put on top of it. And everybody <laughs> gets dry erase markers because you draw. So every game is very different. You're making <laughs> rows and going all over. And you have to, you can 
do the whole thing and carry every all your stuff around on a donkey, or you can upgrade all of your equipment and drive a car around. You know, dealer's choice. And so it's it's so much fun because everything is so completely different. Every all four people or six people, however however many you want to play, everybody's playing a completely different game from each other because you're all just in your own little world doing your own thing. And us a really mean thing we played did <laughs> we played this game the last time I played. Joe had spent the entire game building all of these resources and he had this huge stockpile of mines and mines of stuff that he had <laughs> mined out and he had a giant pile of just resources and the dude um, playing next to him was just like, doo, 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 drove his little truck right over to Joe, picked up all his stuff and oh, went back what? and won the game. Oh man! It was really rude of that guy to do that, but the game lets you do that. You just make <laughs> stuff and it just like is on the game board and whoever can come by and pick it up gets it. Wow. And so it's so fun. Huh? That's why I love it. Good pick. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this, I think this is one. Like I'm, I'm, I'm really interested in playing this one. This is one of the ones that would probably be least likely for me to to try out anytime soon. Um, I think this one and uh, like Sidereal Confluence and maybe a couple others would would be at top of the list of games I'd like to try, but probably not going to happen for uh, quite a while. That sounds. Oh, Sidereal fun. Confluence was really good too. Nice. So roads and boats. That's my number nine. Cool. My number nine. So when I moved to Cleveland, um, I had played a lot of games that are termed Euro games. Uh, one of the games that I like to play a lot was Dungeon Pets. Uh, I also like to play a, a game called Village, mm-hmm. but that was interspersed with a lot of light stuff. Uh, the group that in, in Alabama, uh, we played a lot of Dominion, a lot of Pandemic. Just, we, there, there was a lot of like uh, just trying different stuff. Mm-hmm. And so I never really got to stretch my legs very much with games. I would just kind of hear about some games and play them. Uh, but I was very drawn to uh, a certain t- particular type of game that is commonly referred to as Euro games uh, or strategy games. And when I moved to Cleveland, uh, I played a game that was kind of like a uh, an internal awakening. So <laughs> I, I realized I really loved games, but I sat down and played a game called Terra Mystica. Mm-hmm. And Terra Mystica, I was playing it, and at the end of that game, I was like, this is my favorite game of all time. This is yeah. the best game I've ever played. <laughs> I have since found better games. Um, but that was the first, I would say, really heavier style game I ever played. And as soon as I played it, I was like, oh this is what I really like. Um, And what's unfortunate is that 2017 was the year that Terra Mystica died Uh, because two games came out that completely replaced Terra Mystica. Uh, One game came out called Clans of Caledonia, which is, I would say, a little bit of a lighter spin, but with more of an economic focus Mm -hmm. than Terra Mystica, but still very similar in a lot of ways. And another game came out by the same designers of Terra Mystica called Gaia Project. And Gaia Project was like Terra Mystica on steroids. The special powers were, were more interesting. The gameplay was more dynamic. It basically felt like they had taken a thousand, you know, 
play logs of Terra Mystica and kind of fixed and implemented some new things into Gaia Project. And Gaia Project really sings. It For someone that loves Terra Mystica, it was like, oh, they did Terra Mystica, but even better. So this is where I say it's kind of a cheat because Gaia Project is a fairly newer game, mm-hmm. but really it's just Jones theorying Terra Mystica out of my top 10 list and implement <laughs> and putting itself in there. Uh, so Gaia project is very similar. If you've played Terra Mystica, it's a very easy to pick up Gaia project and play it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I still think uh, that you can play Gaia project just fine. Never having played Terra Mystica. It's just a bit of a longer teach. Um, but honestly, it was, it's a game that I have really, really dug and really loved. Uh, I'm pretty sure I've played every single race in the entire game. And I think there's like 14 of them. Um, and it's just, I just have so much fun just trying different things and trying new races and new special powers. Uh, so it's hard to get into the mechanics of the game because it is a fairly involved, uh, game but really you just play a space empire with a different uh goal uh and a different special power and you're basically just expanding across the universe trying to score score points uh to me the theme is irrelevant because it's really just about the mechanics um and i really love this game it it Hmm. really really sings well, I don't see myself checking this one out. Uh, <laughs> games that are more about the mechanics than the theme are not for me. I've got Although, a theme heavy game. You have a very. Because you know, Crokinole is dripping in theme. Hey. <laughs> no, Melissa also has a very. Uh, she has her own unique way of defining theme. We have discussions look, on look, look. what games have theme and which ones if don't. If you're going to say this is a themed game, then that game had better be <laughs> dripping with theme. But like a game like Crokinole, nobody, it's not, there's no, uh, no attempt to put a theme on it. Nobody's, hmm. nobody's well, putting a backsplash of, of whales on there and how you're trying to feed the whales or something. I don't know. Uh, it's I'm, just I'm a wooden that. board. And so that's I, different. I'm going to I'm going to push back on this. So so Gaia Project has a space theme and I mean the people that make Gaia Project are very much like sure it's space this time. The original Terra Mystica was more like dwarves and elves and uh different mystical races, mm-hmm. but really they were just kind of like whatever sure <laughs> it could be that and then when the, the the other one came out all these people were like, "Oh man, I don't like space games." And they're like um okay pretend it's something else like they make no qualms about the fact that like Gaia Project and Terra Mystica the theme is completely irrelevant so I don't think they're trying to sell the game as super thematic but it's kind of boring to just play like with white pieces on like white paper boards (laughs) so they figured okay we'll just make it look like outer space because that's pretty we need art so might as well yeah exactly (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah um I don't know. I still, I still like my themed games, and you'll, you're going to see that uh, in my later list. Yeah, this is one that uh, last time you guys were in town, uh, you taught to me and a couple other people, Joe, and I had not played Terra Mystica, and it was quite a bit of a uh, of a jump from nothing to to this. So I don't know that I would, and, and if you haven't played heavier games like this i i definitely wouldn't recommend jumping right into it you're probably fine if you've uh if you've played other uh, equivalent i guess uh heavy games but uh it was a bit much for me but i did still enjoy it 
I would say if you like, you know, in-depth Euro games, Gaia Project is pretty easy to pick up. Mm-hmm. Um, but definitely if you've played Terra Mystica before, it cuts yeah. the teach in like half because yeah, there's yeah. so much like, oh, if you play Terra Mystica, this is like this and you don't have to explain that rule. Right. Uh, we did play Clans of Caledonia. I guess we don't need to talk about that in case it comes up later. But uh, I think I like that one better. Maybe because it was easier on the... I've only played both of them once. Maybe that one was easier to to pick up um, having played Gaia Project before it. And uh, that's my number nine, Gaia Project. Nice. All right. Let's continue the space theme. And let's continue the theme of Melissa not liking games that are on my list. Number eight, roll for the galaxy. (laughs) I've softened a little bit on this. I'm glad. As long as we have more than two... Yeah, it's not necessarily a two-player game, um, but I think it works with two. Fine. Uh, so I like Puerto Rico, and I have not played Race for the Galaxy, but uh, Roll for the Galaxy is one that I really enjoyed with uh, getting your... Uh, we've talked about it in the past, so I won't belabor it, but uh, just getting up your your engine and getting all the different colorful dice and forming your tableau of uh, space stations and and technologies i really enjoy it i I like the uh the different different paths you can go down and and the slight interaction with the other players i hate it because it's not easy to teach to new people because their help sheet is not helpful it's It's fine intuitive it's fine it's uh it has all these uh weird rules of well this is what this means but you can break that rule but we're not really going to tell you in clear terms on this help sheet no Um, no that's fine and i never feel like i'm out in space and i'm i'm shipping (laughs) goods and stuff i just feel like well there's a space theme and i'm doing mechanics around a space theme i mean it's fine what games do make you you feel like you're in outer space we'll get to that (laughs) um we'll see but I mean, it's fine. Uh, you definitely. This is one of the few games that scales really well. The more pe- the more people, the merrier. I'd say mm. it goes up to five people, five players, and you definitely want as many people as possible. Mm. I don't like dice. Yeah. So <laughs> get off this podcast. <laughs> okay, bye, guys. There's Sorry. it's there's so this is much. Our top three. <laughs> there's so much to to mitigate the dice by the end of the game. It almost doesn't even matter that you're that you're doing with dice. You have so many ways to flip around the faces and re-roll. And then, then why? So. Yeah, I will say that is one <laughs> other thing. It's like usually in this game, Brian's got twenty dice and he can do whatever he wants, and I'm stuck with three or one. There was one game where I had one. Sounds like, like Brian's just straight. really good at games. <laughs> I think Five we're about 50-50 on wins, turns. but apparently the games that I like are the ones I'm good at. Maybe that's the theme here. Maybe that's the lesson. <laughs> I don't mind you beating me, but I want to feel like I had a fair fair chance, a fair shot at this. Yeah. All right. Well, that's my number eight. Roll for the galaxy. All right. So time to get into a game with theme. Oh, boy. My number eight is <laughs> Seasons. And don't you give me guff about that, young man, because this is, a, this is one of your games that is, you really like. I like Season, but it's not much theme. It's got enough theme. <laughs> like, uh, you guys can't if, see me, look, uh, but no. I'm just like aghast. Like, 
I'm like, this is, we're, we're yelling about theme, and I'm like, this is the most themeless, bland, hey. like, nothing. They're like, oh, here's some art. That'll work. Hey, whatever else you may say about this, this is a gorgeous game with gorgeous pieces, <laughs> and that makes up for any lack of theme that you may perceive is not there. So on the cards, you definitely feel like you're in this whole world full of magical artifacts, and the card play is... I'm going to say 80 to 90% of the game. And so you're, you definitely feel like you're in this magical world with all these, uh, (laughs) magical artifacts and locations and creatures. And so it's, it's, it's fun. You're rolling these dice to get acquired, uh, seasonal elements, which will then allow you to purchase these magical items. And, uh, some of them can do stuff to other players. And those are my favorite cards. So, uh, so I think if you look, if you look really like deep at like what the theme of seasons could be, I think it's pretty cool because you're basically all like super powerful wizards, like Mm -hmm. competing to see who can be the best wizard. Mm -hmm. But the way that you do that is like you make some boots (laughs) and that's cool. So it's like, like all of the power of the all of the power of the elements at your disposal and you're like oh i'm gonna make a nice hat and i'm like that's a cool thing because that just like puts you in a really good mindset and i think there's probably a really good book in there somewhere so you're saying this should be rethemed with like a, a predator or a, or a dress one of those dressmaking themes. no games. i know i I, I just love that like the powerful wizards are in this massive competition and they're like <laughs> I'm going to make this like pretty necklace and that's going to be what I do. Nice. I like fashion wizards. Nice. <laughs> I do I do like seasons and it has probably my favorite card art of any game, but the cards you were just mentioning that mess with other players, that's what drops it for me. I That's one of the reasons I love it. It's a little bit too much of uh take that and just messing with each if if it didn't have that uh, aspect it would be higher for me. So I do still like it I don't though. I think I played seasons, but I'm definitely not a fan of take that games. Mm-hmm. I like, let me do my thing over here. Don't yeah. mess with me. Slight player interaction is good, but I don't like people just being able to come over and just wipe out everything I've been working no, for. No, no, I'm not wiping out everything <laughs> Brian's doing. It's not very take that at all. It's just a slow, slow drain a little bit each turn. And the thing is, <laughs> uh, you've got all these cards in front of you. You are responsible for making sure that each time the the dice gets rolled or whatever, you're like, oh, yeah, by the way, you owe me two points because the dice got rolled. Um you know, and if you forget to remind those people, then, then you know, that's two points that you lost out on and that they get to keep. Hmm. So, you know, it just it just all depends on how how alert, how sharp you are. And I feel that's a good good challenge to me as a person. Stay hmm. on your toes. Huh. Awesome. <laughs> so that's my number eight, seasons. My number eight is antiquity. Hmm. Another splatter game. And the reason I love this game so much is because you can choose your win condition. And which is what I really love because half the time I get started in the game, especially when that's you maybe choose your win condition or you're given like a secret role at the beginning and this is how you have to, what you have to do to win. Mm. And I get going and like three turns in, I realize like I could win if I could do this other thing instead of this. (laughs) And that's what I like about antiquity is that any point in the game, you can choose what your win condition is. So, but once you choose it, you can't 
choose another one. You have to be stuck with that one. Hmm. So I just love because I get a couple of turns into the game and I see which way my momentum is going. Am I going to be better off to do all of do accomplish goal A or accomplish goal B, what have you. And mm-hmm. so I like being able to choose that and find out which way it goes. The game is super fiddly. There's like a million little components that you stack on top of each other and stack <laughs> on top of each other and stack on top of each other. And then you have to pull the bottom one off. So you have to take everything. It, it's wow. really, really obnoxious and fiddly that way. But I love being able to choose what win condition that you have and I get halfway through the game and I'm like, okay, this is what I'm doing. Announce it and then just run with it. Yeah, the fiddliness comes because you're basically playing like an ancient civilization. Mm. And so you'll be like, oh, I'm going to uh, cut down these trees. So you cut down the trees, but then you're left with like grasslands underneath. So you have to cover up the tree spots with grass. And then you're like, oh, I'm going to plant fruit on this grasslands and like harvest it or grain. And so you have to put grain. But once you do that, you have to add pollution. So you're kind of stacking pollution on top of it. So when the grain piece is gone, it shows that there's pollution on that piece. And gotcha. So there, there's a lot of minutia as far as like the components go. And if you ever look for a picture of it on BGG, you'll be like, oh, that looks <laughs> like a that looks insane. Why would people do that? But it really is a lot of fun. And it rewards you for playing eco-friendly and being green and nice. i love that <laughs> or for shipping all of your waste down river to the other people's cities that's something you can do too <laughs> nice yep we'll have to uh we'll have to try a splatter at some point they're awesome i love all the splatter games except for food chain magnet that one not a fan <laughs> but anyways in antiquity number eight that's my number eight my number eight is uh, an extremely take that game. In fact, it is the take thatiest of all of the take thats. Whoa. Um, and this game is High called face. Dominant Species. <laughs> Dominant Species is a game in which uh, you'll have a group of players and somebody will play the mammals and another group will play the birds and another group will play the arachnids, the reptiles, the amphibians, so on and so forth. And really what you're uh, trying to do is you're just trying to be the dominant species in the game. So you're spreading out over the different li- uh, territories. You're uh, adapting your food so that you can eat different uh, things and be able to migrate to different places on the board uh, and sustain life there. You're trying to adapt to different conditions and trying to get dominance in all of these different areas because you score dominance. Uh, there's an ice age that's uh, basically always threatening the different edges of the game. And you're trying to either uh, lean into that or trying to avoid it, whatever your strategy might be. Excuse me. Uh, And basically, uh, one of the things that makes the game so uh, crazy is there are these cards called dominance cards that you can get. And they completely change the game. And some of them are extremely brutal. Uh, Some of them will cause (laughs) giant earthquakes. Others will cause um, just polar, you know, uh, uh, polar ice caps to melt so that like really terrible (laughs) things happen to the conditions. There's just all of these cards that like you're really trying to fight to be the one that gets and like you can, you can get it. Uh, Some cards will like give you an extra, it's a worker placement game and, uh, some uh, of the cards will give you extra workers and you're the only one that has it. And so it's really, really cool the way that it works out. Uh, Every species plays a little bit different, but everyone is pretty much playing the same. 
And one of the best things about this game, and one of my favorite things about this game, is the worker placement is very different, in which you take turns placing your workers, and then when all of the workers are placed, then you resolve the actions. Hmm. So though I might say, I really need to take this action and put my worker there first, it'll go all the way around. And Heather might do something be like, oh, what's Heather thinking about? And that might change how I put my second worker, but we're not going to actually see how everything resolves until all of the uh, hmm. workers are placed and then all of the actions play out in a certain order. I'm really liking the sound of this one. <laughs> oh man, this game sounds like absolutely nothing I would ever want to play. <laughs> like all the things, hate, 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 hate. Oh, uh, it, it is. it is just chaos in a box and it's so good huh yeah this isn't one that i'm it's not when we play on date night <laughs> we're gonna watch a review on this it's one. not one i'm planning to check out but i do like that theme that i wish there it's were more, more games really that really good and i will say it's i would only recommend playing it with five or six players though because <laughs> the more people you get playing it the more the chaos happens and i feel like if you play with less than five there isn't as much chaos which to me isn't as much fun Hmm. Okay. Cool. That's my number eight, Dominant Species. Nice. All right. My number seven, I believe it was on. Mm, yeah, it was my number seven last year. I just realized that. It is Fresco, and it's a pretty standard uh, Euro game. I don't know if there's too many uh, really innovative mechanisms in it, but. What an endorsement for a top 10 game. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but. Uh, I really love the uh, how everything flows uh, from uh, gathering paint and mixing paints and uh, then uh, painting the uh, ceiling of the uh, of the chapel or the uh, the cathedral and all the other different little things that you're competing to do and uh, I don't know there's something about uh, mixing colors and and you get a blue and a yellow and you can turn that in for a green. I don't know why, but that just makes me really happy. I really like that. Simple <laughs> so, pleasures. Yeah. I, <laughs> I just like that. <laughs> so, I mean, there are other, there are other interesting things, uh, determining turn order. Um, and, uh, there's some pretty interesting, uh, modules you can get to plug in, but, uh, yeah, I'm not gonna, uh, we talked about it last year. So I'll, unless you guys have anything to, to talk about this one. It was my number 21. Never played it. It always mm. looked like a, just a standard Euro. So I've always mm -hmm. just never mm -hmm. had the opportunity to like, oh, this is what I'm going to play today. But I mean, I'd happily sit down and give it a shot. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty medium weight. So I don't know that it would be your thing, but I really like it. All right. Well, that's my number seven, Fresco. All right. Before I get into my number seven, I uh, looked at my list from last year, and uh, Seasons was my number eight, just as it does, as it is this year. So, just wanted to mention that since your seven was last year's seven, I just thought that was kind of cool. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> uh, my number seven is the game that you definitely should be playing instead of Dummel Suburbia. Uh. This is Castles of Mag King Ludwig. Huh. All the same feels, all the same mechanics and stuff, except uh, it's a lot more fun of a theme. You've got this castle that you're designing, and uh, you can... Uh, there's just all these fun uh, fun artwork for each of the rooms, and uh, I guess if you're one of those people that has to have 
every corner really lined up just so, then that might this game might bother you because you're going to end up with this really funky looking castle. But uh, I like it. You get, still got to match things up just so. You got to uh, place certain rooms next to each other to get the most points. Um, and there's, there's uh, no chance of, at the very end, somebody taking away all your points because you had to play some dumb thing. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I like it as well and the castle theme is fun, but the method for instead of just tiles coming out um and buying them every turn you, each person is setting a price for all the tiles that are available and that gets uh that can really lead to AP and it sometimes just ends up to just randomly setting prices. I don't know that you necessarily that necessarily uh, is good for the game. I, th- I think that uh, is not as good as just the simple uh, river of tiles coming up. Well, I like getting to be the the master builder and and uh, getting to choose who who's going to pay how much for what what room that you think they really want. Yeah, it's it's still a, is a fun game. That's cool. Also, another game I've never played. <laughs> I think your guys' lists are just like recommendations for me to write down <laughs> yeah. and get to the table. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. Well, definitely, re- I recommend my list over Brian's. <laughs> <laughs> I think Mad King Ludwig is just okay. Hmm. Well, I think you're just okay. <laughs> I, I concur. <laughs> nice. So that's my number seven, Castles of Mad King Ludwig. Awesome. My number seven is Orleans. Hmm. So a really fun game about what is this game about? <laughs> you know? <laughs> the, the, this this one is also very themeless. It's a. Uh, I guess you're trying to protect the city of Orleans from an invasion. Oh, that's or that's the expansion. On. This is just kind of you're just you're just like a guy in Orleans <laughs> traveling around. You're just like getting stuff. What I like about this nice. game is that there's a point multiplier, so you can get all of these. Wow, my brain's really freezing up. Things. What are they? The books. Not the the books are the multiplier. The villagers. Oh, you're just trying to get past the track. You're trying to just You have to get all your tracks up so you can get your hmm. your um different resource tracks up higher and higher and higher and you can max out at like five or six, it depends on each. But that's five or six points. But then if we call they're what are they, prayer points? Is that what we call them? They're books. I don't even know what they actually are, because I don't care about the facts of the game. I just don't care about how I feel when I play it, if you couldn't tell. And so if you get the book track, that's your multiplier. So however many um, of the other tracks you go up, say you get to five, so you get five points. But if you can get your book track up, that multiplies. So one times five, then two times five, four times five, et cetera. So that's really the more important track to get up because it exponentially increases your points. And there's two different avenues of gameplay going on one is collecting all the resources and you just to get colored circle discs to put on your that tell you okay now i'm gonna go over here and travel and i'm gonna do this thing or i'm gonna come over here i'm gonna make this item or what have you and so there's there's a lot going on in the game and it's really fun and i just i love the point multiplier part of it Hmm. and i always shoot the books my the book track up way high before i focus on anything else because five times one is better than Four times one. <laughs> That's how I feel anyway. The math yeah, checks think... out. <laughs> Have we played this part? Th- 
No, we haven't played it. This was one of the ones I wanted to check oh, out it, on our... Uh... And it's definitely on the lighter weight side. You would really enjoy yeah. it. It's uh, it's really good. It's really solid Euro game. Uh, what, I think one of the better Euro games that's come out in recent years anyway, as far as like a good medium weight game goes. Um, but yeah, it's one of the first bag builders too. So right. if you like a game that's like a deck builder with a deck of cards, this is where you're just kind of building a bag. So you're just putting workers in a bag and you draw workers out and those are the workers you have to use this turn. So that's what kind of really makes it special. Nice. Yeah, this was, uh, so I don't know if we told you guys, we went on the uh, Dice Tower cruise this year. Um, Joe, mm-hmm. I know you've, you've been previously and uh, this was one of the ones we that I wanted to check out and uh, just didn't get around to it. But we would we'll definitely check it out at some point. So number my number seven was Orleans. My number seven is uh, the best U- Uva Rosenberg game, <laughs> and that is Ora et Labora. <laughs> um, so U- Uva Rosenberg is known for making many, 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 many great games. Mm-hmm. Uh, the best of which is Aura at Labora. Um, he has also made some not-so-good games, so if those pop up on anyone's list, I'll make sure that everyone knows. Um, but Aura at Labora is, to me, his masterpiece. It's really his kind of shining moment in game design uh, because it really is just a expanse of stuff that you can do in this game. In this game, you're playing a, uh, a small cloister of monks uh, in either Ireland or France, depending on what version of the game you're playing with. Hmm. And you're basically, uh, I think there's like 20 different resources in this game. And you're wow. kind of like using this rondelle to like gather resources, but you're just building this little uh, network of buildings up in your, you know, little small mountain village and trying to like gain the most resources and like build those to make your own unique buildings, which all have special powers and you can use other people's buildings by paying them some money. And it's, it, it's a, it just has a very nice flow to it. There's a lot of, like I said, the, the there's more resources than any Uva Rosenberg game, probably more than all of the rest of them combined. It's just so many <laughs> different things. Wow. But uh, it, it's just really fun to like build an engine in this game. And that's really what this game is, is just a pure, massive, elaborate engine building game. And it's really, really beautiful to like see things sync up and to see your engine start to run. And it's really just a phenomenal game that you can really, no matter if you win or lose, it's one of those games where you can be really proud of what you built during the game nice. and have a lot of fun playing with it. Yeah, sounds really good. I think it's on our, uh, I think it's on our to playlist, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we just have not played this one, but we do really like his games, so we'll have to get around to it. Yeah, this is unfortunately, I mean, it's to me, like I said, by far his best game. Hmm. And there's just not a like if if there are any Rosenberg games that people haven't played, I think it's been this one, mm-hmm. which is just a shame. I think everyone's played Caverna and that's his worst game. But... <laughs> nice. Well, I'm glad I didn't put Caverna on the list. <laughs> oh, let's see. Where did it fall? It's 15. Nice. Nice. And that's my number seven, Aura <laughs> et Labora. All right. So what's your quick, uh, we don't need to get into it too much, but just what's your quick ranking of the uh, Rosenberg games? Aura, Labora, yeah. Agricola, La Havre, 
Gates of Luoyang, Fields of Arl, and the rest is pretty much trash. Okay. So you feel Agricola is better than Caverna? Like 9,000%. I agree with that 100%. Huh. Caverna, Caverna's boring. It's just a big <laughs> open, like, you can just do whatever you want. Uh, you have to play Agricola. Like, it has the cards, which are amazing, and just mm-hmm. change the game so much. It's super tight and super tense. No one takes an action in Caverna, and you're like, no, I'm going to murder you. And that happens, <laughs> like, every other turn in Agricola. And so why would you want to, like, replace that with just, like, a... It, 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 I, I don't know. It's it, it. That's that's to me what makes a good game. So to to really get to the heart of it, what makes a really good game is decisions. And the more decisions a game could have, and the more tense the decisions are, the better that game is. That is just pure and simple. What to me makes a game good versus not good. Caverna takes away the tenseness of all the decisions, and Agricola really ramps it up. So in my mind, the way I like to enjoy my games. Agricola far superior to Caverna. Well, you're the nice. kind of people that we need to be playing Agricola with because everybody else that we've played Agricola with is just been, they're like, oh, I, I don't like this game and my hands are tied. I'm always trying to feed my people. And you know, after a while, the negativity starts to get to you and, and influence your, <laughs> your thoughts and stuff. So I really want to mm-hmm. play this with you guys. I don't know if I want to play Agricola with you, though, because why would you tie people's hands when they play? That makes it very, very difficult. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and gross, because I can only assume they're using the, they're moving the pieces with their mouth and or feet. Well, it adds to the tension of the game. Right. True. So anyway, moving on. My number six is Caverna, the cave farmers. <laughs> so I do go back and forth between Caverna and Agricola. Um uh, like I have Agricola at number 11, but they're basically equal for me. I don't know. The last time we played Agricola, I got to the end of the game and had uh, a ton of wheat had just maximized my wheat output and got whatever, three points for it or four points. And that was really disappointing. <laughs> so <laughs> I think that, uh, I I'm not going to argue that Caverna is a better game. Um and there are things about Agricola that I like better, but right now I'm giving the nod to Caverna um just because it lets me specialize instead of um having to be more of a generalist and it feels like uh yes, it's not as tense. Um but in In Agricola, it's tense because you're interacting with the other players for those spots. In Caverna, you don't have that, so I I can definitely see why you uh, prefer Agricola. But in Caverna, I do still like um, all the different paths that you can take. And even if it's more solitaire-ish, because you're not stepping on each other's toes, um, I do still enjoy it. So. Now, I will say, I think with Caverna, uh, I think it's a little bit broken. Because I think that whoever gets the ruby mines... Um, and the thing that's like, maybe uh, if you have this many ruby mines or whatever, and you have a donkey in those, rub- those mines and whatever, whatever it is that, that gives you a lot of points that way. Um, whoever goes that route is almost certainly guaranteed to win. Uh, I mean, we've played what half a dozen times. So and it's usually whoever goes for the ruby mine. And I think that might be, uh, I, I don't know if that's actually, uh broken or just a perception that we have so 
Anyway, that's my number six. Caverna and the Cave Farmers, we can move on. All right, my number six is a vastly different theme from anything that we've discussed so far. Okay. It is about the end of the world, the apocalypse. It is okay. zombie 15. Whoa. Minutes. Yes. Uh, Just zombie I, 15, I think. Yeah, well, it's got a 15 apostrophe. I guess so. 15... It is it is uh, more catchy if you just say zombie fifteen. Anyway, so this is a story where you have you're playing the game in fifteen minute segments. That's how long you have to beat the game. It's cooperative. You're working together, and uh, basically the story is that all the adults have been turned into zombies, and for some reason it's like teenagers under a certain age. They're fifteen. Yeah. Okay. There we go. 15 and younger. Uh, no, they're all exactly 15. Oh, really? Everybody else Plays in 15 zombie. minutes. They're oh. all exactly 15. Okay. There's so, 15 missions. Yeah. 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 Somebody got cute with that. Yeah. And so it, uh, <laughs> you know, you're working together. You're, you're, you're trying to survive all the, the hordes of zombies that are out there. And so you, you got to get weapons and then you got to get to a safe place and then you got to get food and stuff like that. And so every time that you think you're safe, now you got to go out and venture out again. And uh, uh, you're always trying to get silent weapons and then make those last for as long as you can. And sometimes you're just like, I need a weapon. All right, give me the machine gun. Uh, even though it's going to attract every zombie in the area because of all of its sound. Uh, but it's it's really fun. Uh, you've got this great soundtrack that adds to the tension of the game. Uh, did you say it's real time? Yeah, I think so. Real time cooperative. I don't think I did say that actually. Yeah. Yeah. So you have 15 minutes. Uh, there's this app that's playing like sirens in the background every now and then there's a, uh, snarl. And when that occurs and you flip over a card and however many more zombies come out in your area. And now this is not a game for people who are prone to analysis paralysis. Mm -hmm. First time we played this game was with somebody who could not think on his feet. We were just like, come on, man, you're killing us. Just do <laughs> something so that it can get to our turns and we can actually do the important stuff. Uh, so you really need to be thinking on your turn, okay, this is how much health I have left. This is how many uh, bullets or how much uh, strength my weapon has before it breaks. Um this is so this is these are things that I need to do on my turn and still try to complete my mission. Okay? Boom boom boom, four actions done. It's your turn again, etc. So that's how you need to play the game. Uh and Brian is a wonderful companion in this game. He's really good. Uh I think I'm pretty good at it too. So we are rocking this game. <laughs> we've made it to what is it? Mission 10 so far. I think we've done 2 thirds of it. Uh it's been a really fun, exciting story. And I, I can't wait to uh, get all the way through. I really want, though, to do this four-player. Mm. I want a crack team <laughs> of people that I can play this with and we'll run through the missions and, and we'll, uh, I mean, uh, it's, it's a very... And this one, Lady and Amber are older. Or Joe and Heather could fly down, you know. Yeah, right. Well, they... <laughs> this, this, this is the opposite of everything I like about the game. Oh. Like ev every word, zombies, real time, like, I mean, everything about it is just like, 
Nope, no, 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 no. Uh, see, no. this is a game I feel like I can enjoy because I think the real time aspect of it makes it fun. It puts that yeah. legitimate tension. Exactly. You're not allowed to get up and like take a break and go get water because like this is real life. Real zombies are coming to get us. I like, I feel like that added tension yeah. plus with the music playing in the background it would be a super fun great theme yeah your decisions I, matter in this game and, and joe you like games with tension i'll i'll, I'll be the one that goes and gets water since no one can go up <laughs> nice I, yeah this, this is just i i would not enjoy it at all i don't think it was just there's i have so many games like this i've given a shot <laughs> to and i'm just like I know what I like in this just it's checking so many red boxes. <laughs> Plus I really abhor playing games with people with AP. There's a game I played, I loved the game and I played it with someone with AP and now I can never play that game again. It's like oh. getting food poisoning. You can't eat that food ever again. <laughs> and so this game I feel like it counteracts that. You have to be like, you're allowed to be like Hurry up! Make a decision without being rude. I I, re- I remember that, and I don't I don't want to make you feel bad on the podcast. But I remember I was playing a game with somebody, and it was full. And Heather came uh, a little bit later, and she started playing a game with these other people. And th- it was a game that I played before, and it's not a short game, but this game took like it's five like, hours. You, it was and, the, the entire time the library was open on a Saturday. Like and, we got there at the beginning until the <laughs> library closed. That's how long wow. the game lasted. And, and it's not supposed to last that long. And I remember, and I don't say this to make her feel bad, but Heather was so mad that on the way home, she was telling me about it and she just <laughs> couldn't help, but she was crying. She, what she was telling me about, she was so angry. I'm right there she with you like, too, Heather. Like a whole <laughs> day wasted. And it part shouldn't have been that way. Yes. Well, part of what made it was like icing on the cake. It's a game where you pre-plan your move. So take uh, all the time you need to pre-plan your move. So everyone has to pre-select their action. So this guy would take like seven years pre-plan his action. And then when get to his turn to actually do the action he already planned, it would take another half hour <laughs> to like pick between the one of two options that were available <laughs> to him. I'm like, and it was, and then he was like running like because he was like doing the math and like mathing out every uh, single yeah. decision, which was taking so long. So he was like beating the pants off of all of us, mm. and then like taking an hour per turn, quite literally. So that was most frustrating. Wow! But your game combats that, and you are allowed <laughs> to yell at people to hurry up and go, 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 and you're not considered being rude. So I could, I could, I could play this yeah. game. Zombie fifteen, yeah. Mm-hmm. Not going to have that same issue. So I like it. I think I'd cry <laughs> after this play. <laughs> so that's my number six, Zombie 15. So my number six is a game we've pretty much already talked about, Agricola. High five. Woohoo! Nice. Better than Caverna. Caverna's <laughs> not on the list. But <laughs> we've talked about Agricola quite a lot already. So I'll just say that's my number six. Nice. My number six is a city building game that I think is the pinnacle of all city building games. Mm. Uh, this is a game by uh, a fellow named Albin Viard. Mm. And this is uh, the game is called small city. And this is a game that really is just so amazing because it brings, I mean, if you loved that like Sim City 3000 level of detail to building a city where you had to put in the sewer systems and manage the crime and all of these different things, I mean, Sim City puts you 
or I'm sorry, small city puts you right there. You are managing the infrastructure of your town, the industry of your town. Uh, you're basically trying to uh, manage the government. The pollution is a huge deal. It's a very, very intricate game with lots and lots of moving part. There's tourism that has to be managed. There's all of these different aspects and you're competing to be the best city out of all of the other players that are playing. Uh, there's a lot of really cool things in this game that are very different than other games. If you have problems with spatial aspects. So if you, ever play games and like spatial reasoning gives you a lot of like anxiety or headache. <laughs> this is not a game you should play because there's a lot of spatial puzzling as you kind of Tetris your city together and kind of have to think about, Oh, if I put this residential neighborhood next to this retail neighborhood, is it going to grow? But if it grows, is it going to touch the, uh, the, you know, commercial area. And then I'm going to lose points because then there's going to be pollution that creeps into the residential area. There's hmm. all of these different things to manage. It's really complicated. Um, but I really love it. Uh, and I still remember we played this with uh, another couple that were like our gaming paramours. We really loved <laughs> playing with them. And uh, me and the uh, the lady, uh, the, the woman, Megan, who played with us, really liked heavy games. And Heather and her and Megan's husband, Paul, I wouldn't say like, but they like lighter games than us. Mm -hmm. And I still remember uh, the oh, first time Paul, Paul played this, Paul. he ended the game with like negative 14 points. <laughs> it was so, because it, it's, it is a lot. It is a, it is a very brutal game. Uh, wow. <laughs> but Small City really, when, if you want a game that really puts you in the driver's seat for building a city, Small City is where it's at. It is so good. It sounds like it's, it's very right like, up your alley, Brian. <laughs> it's a really cool game because you have to like Tetris put everything together so it connects and can combo. And then if you have just like this open square you can't use, it comes back to hurt you. And that was what really messed up Paul. But it's I forgot about this game, but it's it's very puzzly, but it's very cool. It, it has something in it. So this is what's the most complicated thing in the game. I'll try to explain this real quick. Is it has a mechanic that I call uh, organic growth. And this is in a lot of Alvin Viard's games where the, you're going to build like a little tiny piece of residential neighborhood. But depending on what you put around that that little residential area, that's it's going to grow by itself. And the population is going to get bigger and you're going to get more people and manage more jobs. But if you don't put the right things next to that, that's not going to happen. <laughs> so you need to be thinking about that because there's a phase where you say what in your city grows and gets bigger. And you have to look through everything and be like, oh, this gets bigger because it meets all the criteria here, here and here. And then you get to add more area to your city. So <laughs> it's very complicated in that for that reason. And because you have to like look at things with those kind of eyes, which people usually aren't used to in a game it's a very different type of thinking yeah it's really cool cool it's on the list to try and Here. that's my number <laughs> that's my number six small city all right my number five is a game we just played for the first time on the cruise and uh i mean it's i guess it's uh it's the highest game on my list for a one-time play but i'm not ashamed it's terraforming mars and uh, yeah. I'm jumping on the bandwagon, <laughs> and uh, we uh, played this one. It took uh, took us quite a bit. At least took, four hours. It took three and a half hours. Four. 
three and a half hours, uh, which 11 is eleven to three forty-five. Quite a quite a while. Is four. We hours. did have a couple breaks, and we did have to learn how to play. But uh, really enjoy the theme of uh, prepping Mars for colonization, and uh, the card play is uh, amazing. I th- it's uh, maybe my favorite uh, card play game, and uh, yeah, just so much to think about, and you really feel pretty powerful with all that you're able to do on each turn, and yeah, it's just a really, really solid game. Yeah, I. Uh, it's not on the list. Uh, I'm going to wait till we've played it some more, and yeah. uh, we loved it so much, we just went ahead and bought it. Uh, so that doesn't always happen for us. Uh, we're, we're usually it's a not little more cautious. Though. Well, I mean, I'm... <laughs> it happens, but it, we, we try to convince ourselves we're cautious buyers. Anyway, we went out and bought it after just one play, and uh, so we are going to get around to it. Uh, so I'm reserving my opinion for uh, multiple plays later to see if it really still captures that excitement for me. <laughs> but off of a one-time play... Uh, this was a great game, and I say that as a pregnant woman who didn't get to eat lunch that day. Uh, <laughs> we, we played straight through lunch, and all all I got was like three cookies, maybe a few more than that. Uh, but don't judge me because I was hungry. I eat three cookies at a time, and I'm not pregnant. So I'm well, not we were on the cruise, and they we were playing in this dining room, and they had waiters who were coming by with freshly baked cookies and oh my goodness. Uh, fresh churned ice cream that. and yeah. stuff. And I, I was like, you know what? I've got to keep body and soul together. <laughs> I I played Terraforming Mars a dozen or so times, and it's a it's a fine game. It's it's fine, but it's definitely one of those games where like I played it so much that I was like okay, I'm kind of done with it. Mm-hmm. Like, it doesn't hold the appeal to, like, keep playing it more than that. Mm-hmm. Like, it was kind of like, oh, I played this and I enjoyed my plays of it, but now I'm kind of done and kind of moved on. It's not something that I felt like I wanted to keep returning to after those initial, you know, figuring the game out kind mm-hmm. of plays. Okay. Well, we'll see how it goes. That's my number five for now. Terraforming Mars. Well, my number five has been a pretty constant uh, faithful companion on the list throughout the years. Even Brian. though we don't. <laughs> He's not a game. <laughs> All right. Thanks for derailing, derailing. Me, Joe. <laughs> anyway, so um, this is a game that we don't own, and so usually that just automatically gets it off the list for me uh, because then we don't get to play it very often. And, Mm -hmm. you know, not getting to play it often, you know, I'm very much a cult of the new kind of person. Uh However, I just love this game. And uh, it always lives up to the memories every single time. It's Alchemists. Our friend Jay owns it. I keep forgetting this is on your list. I still think it might be the heaviest game I've played. Maybe Terraforming Terraforming Mars Uh, is heavier. I think Alchemists is. Okay. Uh, and I just love the theme that you huh. are uh, these, these um, I can't think of the right right name for them, but the, these, I, I guess, professors. Alchemists. 
before dabbling, <laughs> and dabbling in in wizardry and stuff. And, and, and alchemy. In alchemy. Shut up. Okay. I'm trying to find synonyms. So Good I'm job. not just Good using job. those same word over and over, but whatever. Okay. <laughs> I apparently just need to stop. And you guys describe the game. You're good. You're good. Keep going. Anyway, so you're you're trying to figure out what different potions do and, and what happens if you mix this with that and uh, uh, get funding for your research. And sometimes you're just publishing theories even if you uh, have no scientific basis for them. And you're hoping that people will support your theories. And, and you're putting on a brave show as if, yeah, I really do know what I'm talking about. And you do want to support me. And uh, you might want to revise those later in the game. But uh, you can... Uh, there's just so much that you can do. And it feels super thematic. Uh, beautiful art. And it's, it's just really fun. Yeah. I don't know why this is a controversial opinion. But apparently this is one of my controversial board game opinions that... Uh, Clue is a better deduction game than Alchemists. <gasps> it's the deduction is really, really basic. Um, the rest of the game is just standard Euro. I thought it was. It's not even uh, in my top hundred uh, games. I'll 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 side with Melissa because I think the Alchemist Thank is you. a great game. And I mean, from a de- I I think it's the fact that you can wrap a really cool, fun playing Euro mm-hmm. around a deduction puzzle, right? That That's the fact that they did that is uh-huh. really cool. Like Clue is kind of a cool deduction thing, but it's just a dumb game. <laughs> and the Alchemist is a really cool, really interesting game with a cool deduction with, with like a deduction puzzle at the heart of it, mm-hmm. you know? So in my opinion, I think Alchemists is a much better game uh, because so it's much. actually a game. Right. No, <laughs> I'm not saying that uh, Clue is a better game than Alchemist. I think Alchemist is a better game than Clue, but I think Clue is better deduction game. I think the deduction in Alchemist is just a gimmick and there's nothing. You're going to figure out how to do the deduction the first time you play and there's not going to be anything different anytime you play. So that's i that's just remember playing sense. this game and this is the one with the app right mm-hmm. and yeah. just <laughs> not caring about anything else just like <laughs> let me put these two things yeah. together and see what's yeah. gonna happen same here that's half the fun for <laughs> that's me all I did. Mm. Yes. yeah so like for me the deduction is a fun part of the game and it's not a gimmick and i still haven't figured it out <laughs> and i know i sound a little little dumb for saying that no, no. but thanks joe for your kind words it really means a lot coming from you since we apparently have very little in common when it comes to board games <laughs> yeah i think we have more in common because i like a lot of euros it's just like th- there's a lot of games i don't like but like people think because most of my favorite games are super heavy mm-hmm. i really like just like a good solid euro like mm-hmm. like a regular medium weight euro perfectly fine like i'm sure i would really enjoy fresco Mm -hmm. even though i haven't played it because i just like a good solid euro but it doesn't mean that every game i play has to be heavy but yeah alchemist definitely falls in that category of it's interest it's interesting enough for me to really dig it well that's my number five (laughs) alchemists thank you jay for introducing me to it jay joe our friend jay (laughs) yes (laughs) yes jay (laughs) So my number five is Craftsman. And in Craftsman, hmm. there is a small little town in the Podunk Bill, nowhere that nobody knows anything about. And the mayor wants to change that. So he 
brings in all of these different craftsmen and you're competing with each other to be the person who's going to put the town on the map. And so whoever does the best job at the end, the mayor rewards you and builds a statue of you in the middle of town if you brought <laughs> enough notoriety. And essentially you're taking, um, you've got limited resources and you're building, you're crafting things together. Mm-hmm. And uh, my memory is failing me because it's been a while since I've played it. But the cards that of things that you're building are multicolored. So mm-hmm. the top half is one color, the bottom half is another color. And you, as you build them and as you lay them out, you've got to build them away. If you can combine these colors, you know, if the green touches other green, it can combo. And I'm terrible at combo games. They're just... For whatever reason, my brain does not work to combo things together, except in this game. I think that's why I love it, because I feel smart when I play it. So um, if you can combo enough things together and you can make a basic resource and then a medium one and then a larger one, it can just be like your turn and like, bam, this happens automatically because I have everything lined up in a row. You don't mean you just it just happens and you just get stuff and you're getting victory points for it. And so um, I really love this game because I love building things and it's the one hmm. game I can combo in. Yeah, this is a super underrated game and a really good game. Hmm. And I think I've only played this uh, one time and I really need to get this back to the table. Like I keep telling my game group, I'm like, let's play this amazing game called Craftsman. But I will say uh, me and Heather played it two player and we're pretty fast. Like we're quick players. And I think this game took us four hours to play two players. Really? It was, yeah. This I was, didn't even notice it because I was having yeah, so much fun. <laughs> this is a long game. And I think with four players, it would be even more than that. So I keep trying to find another reason to get it to the table. Mm-hmm. And I like longer games, but this is one that like most people are like, I'm like, oh, it'll probably be like six hours, but it's really good. <laughs> a lot of times people are like, I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to take a chance on that. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> Yeah, th- this is a really interesting game. A really interesting game, and I wish I could play it more. Cool. Well, that sounds like a good couples game. This is the first one yeah. tonight that I've not heard of, so we'll have to check that one Ooh. out. Well, I've not heard check of it. a lot of these. <laughs> <laughs> you're, so you're that giving is... Me, yeah. Sorry. Sorry to interrupt. I was just going to say nope. what you said earlier. You're giving me good recommendations for yeah. stuff to check out, yeah. Heather. That's awesome. So, yeah, that's that's my number five, Craftsman. My number five is the game that came out last year, 2018. Hmm. And this was a very popular game that year. Uh, can anyone take a guess at what it is? Ooh, I know. Uh, very popular that you would like. Uh, if you if you follow Joe on Twitter at all, you probably no, can guess this not one. Not on Twitter. Uh, is it ranked highly on Board Game Geek? It is ranked fairly highly on Board Game Geek. Uh, it's not, uh, oh, my mind is blinking. What's, what's I know I'm trying, it's, uh, it starts with a G, right? What's, uh, starts with an R. Oh. Hmm. Oh, I don't know. Hmm. So my number five nope. is Root. Uh, ah! Root came out this year wow. by designer Cole Worley. And this is a geopolitical war game in which a ecosystem of different woodland creatures has kind of joined up in this grand master battle and everyone has a part to play. So there is the 
cats, the Marquis de Cats, uh, who basically are the superpower of the woodlands. And they are this giant empire that's cutting down trees and building buildings and like spreading all over the, uh, all over the world. And they're basically playing like a real time strategy game where they're just trying to make resources and build buildings and build a huge army and stay in control. And then there's the bird player and the birds are the, basically this, uh, this faction that uh, is coming in and trying to wipe out the cats because they think they're the rightful rulers, but they start really far off the map and have to come in and conquer. And they have a very strict code that they live by. So you're actually programming actions into their tableau. And it's a very interesting dynamic. Then you have the Woodland Alliance, which are the little mice and foxes and rabbits of the woodlands. And they're basically uh, this faction that plays a very different game because they're trying to spread sympathy and start rebellions all over the forest. So the cats and birds are fighting each other and kind of ignoring the, the woodland Alliance. But all of a sudden they've gained all of this rebellion and have all of the woodlands up in a riot. And now the birds and cats can't do anything until they <laughs> quelch the, what they're doing. And maybe they can play it really low key. And then the last piece of the puzzle is the character that's called the Vagabond, which is a little raccoon that's only <laughs> one little piece. It doesn't have an army or anything, but he just basically walks around the board going on missions and citing and helping different teams fight to get different, like, good, get in the good graces of them and uh, or hurt the people that are winning to try to, like, give himself a better advantage. Mm-hmm. It's just such an interesting game. And the way all four factions in the game kind of, like, all play in different ways really makes it a fascinating game because it's one of those games where it's like, Oh, I played the cats this time. And next time I want to play the birds and then I want to play the vagabond and then I want to play the mice and then I want to play them all again because I, I've thought of so many different better ways to play them after having played against the cats, you know? And so there's so many different things. There was an expansion that added otters and lizards uh, to the game. Wow. And it's just, uh, it's just such a phenomenal game. The art. So it is a mm-hmm. really mm-hmm. heavy game and it is a very aggressive war game. But if you look at the art, it's so cute. Yeah. It is the <laughs> cutest game. It has little, little mouse meeples and little cat meeples in it. And so you look at it and you're like, Oh, this is just like, like, a- I want to hang the game board on my daughter's bedroom wall because- <laughs> Because it's that cute, and the little characters are so cute. But this is this deep, heavy war game. Oh. It's nice. it's really so phenomenal. that makes it fun for me to play. Yeah, it's it's so much fun. I love this game. It's so different, so unique. It's wrapped in such a cool package because of the whimsical look of it. Um, but yeah, this game has just really been a rising star, hmm. and I've really loved every play I've had of it. I, I think it's one of the better games that's come out. It is very tentative uh, because it is so asymmetric, but I definitely recommend it. Yeah, nice. I, uh, I really wanted to get to this one on the cruise, and we just ended up running out of time. Yep, yep. Uh, yeah, that theme looks really amazing, and we'll definitely be checking this one out. Pretty tough at well, this point. Well, that's my number five. That's my number five. Root. Check it out. Cole Worley. Cool. All right, my number four. Turns out it's the same game as my number four from last year, Power Grid. And uh, don't have too much to add this year. Um, pretty, I, I would say, uh, in the best... Um, in the best tradition of just the really, really simple uh, playset that ends up being a, a very deep game. And uh, 
have really enjoyed uh, playing this one. I don't, I don't know that I uh, have anything to add from last year. I, you like this one, Joe. Melissa, I think you... Yeah, I like as it. As well. Like it it's already. not in my top 20. Yeah. It's fine. <laughs> I've never played this game, so... I don't. I can't have an opinion. Nice. All right. Check it out, everybody. <laughs> my number four is still Power Grid. All right. My number four, continuing a grand tradition from previous years, is a game that I believe does not even crack Brian's top fifty. Okay. But I'm, I'm ready to check. Really enjoy this one. It's Sheriff of Nottingham. Oh, I love this game. Yes, it's such a fun one. So in it, uh, you're all people who are good, honest workmen who are just trying to uh, get their goods into market. Uh, and yeah, right. they got to get them <laughs> past the corrupt sheriff of Nottingham. And uh, sometimes, you know, something might have slipped in there that might not be legal. Um, but it's this fun uh, bluffing game where you're trying to uh, get the sheriff to not check what's in your bag if you've got illegal goods, or you could bluff him into checking your bag if you've got all legal goods. Um, and then you can pay pay him money to uh, check someone else's bag instead of your bag. And uh, the whole thing is just uh, oodles more fun if you all talk in bad British accents. <laughs> and uh, it's 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 just a blast i love bluffing games and this one is the best bluffing game or one of the best in my opinion i agree i really like this game it's so fun it's being i can't even talk right now but no i really i really love the game it's like look it's just a bag of apples there's a crossbow in it how did that get there it's it's so fun the crossbow is apple flavored (laughs) <laughs> like Balderdash, this is one that I can have a lot of fun with. It's not like something I'm going to pick to play, but I can have a lot of fun with this in the right circumstance with the right people. This really falls into that like social thing that I really enjoy. Cool. Uh, I Yeah, it's not one I would pick. I do enjoy playing it when uh, somebody else brings it to the table, but and I know these words are going to probably come back to haunt me when we get uh, to my number one but the choices do seem pretty arbitrary like I never feel like there's a good reason necessarily for me to to bluff or not it feels like I'm just kind of picking one or the other and Poor going fun. with it well, that, yeah, that's, so, that's the fun <laughs> there's not like a strategic reason usually for me to like okay well I have a lot of apples so I guess I don't have to bluff this time but next time I don't so now I do have to bluff I don't know. Well, here's the thing. It is still fun. I'm bad at this game. Like, people usually somehow figure out that I've got contraband in my bag or whatever, and I can never, you know, I can never sneak my my bag in past the sheriff. But I still have so much fun playing this game. And I think that's the mark of a really good game, is (laughs) if you're bad at it and you still love it, then it's a really good game. See, I like to do, like, really weird things in this game. So, like, I'll be, like, the sheriff. And before anyone hands me their bag, I'll say, if you pay me $10, you can put whatever you want in your bag, and I'll (laughs) give it right back to you. And so, and everyone's like, what? And I'm like, yep, pay me $10, and you can put whatever you want in your bag, and I will not look at it. 
and mm-hmm. they all pay me $10 and I just give them their bags right back. And I'm like, I just made 40 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah. I mean, I do like doing uh, weird things like that. I just think there's a, not too many of those different things you can do, but I'm alone on this one. So I'll keep playing it with you guys. My number four, Sheriff of Nottingham. My number four is Kanban. And this is a game where you work for a car manufacturing company and you go through the process and you make cars and you got to put <laughs> cool stuff on them and get them to come out at the right car at the right time and then go and sit in board meetings and vote different ways to try to make the company better. And I think I like this game because it makes me feel like I'm at work. <laughs> as weird as that is. I like the corporate structure and in the corporate environment. And I'm, one of my favorite pieces is the boss lady that goes around and she goes from department to department and kind of have a heads up on where she's going next. But you can play either where she's a nice boss or where she's a mean boss. And I like flipping back and forth between the two and just anticipating and knowing I can't go there because Linda's going to be there and she'll (laughs) get me in trouble and the kind of fun real life aspect of that. And um, I really enjoy the gameplay. This is um, just so everyone knows, this is a very complicated game. Yeah. Like very heavy, very complicated game. <laughs> so uh, Heather like says a lot of uh, said all that. But I mean, this game is really you're going to have to put your thinking caps on for this one because this is a brain burner of a game. Mm. Really? <laughs> I never felt that way. Hmm. Like, I don't I don't consider this like a super heavy game. I consider it, like medium weight. And I'm not like there's really heavy games that I think are really heavy, but. I did, maybe the theme just does it for me. Just feeling like you're at work. I just thrive there. Yeah, a lot of people <laughs> That's have why like, I play games <laughs> to feel like I'm at work. <laughs> many, many people put this on their list of like heaviest games they've ever played. Oh, no. I never <laughs> considered it that way. Huh. Well, there we go. I like Kanban. My number four. So my number. So my number one through four are all have been on my one through four from the day I played them. Like this is, these will not change. Like I could never see any of these changing. (laughs) Uh, But my number four is a game called Pax Porphyriana. (laughs) Pax Porphyriana is a very unique game. It's very different than anything out there. Uh, So basically uh, this game comes with 400 cards or so. And each one of them is unique. And mm-hmm. in any one game, you're just going to choose basically like 120 random cards to use for that game. So every game Whoa. is incredibly different mm-hmm. because all the cards are, are different. And so whatever cards end up being in the deck that game are just kind of what you have to work with. But basically the theme of the game is you're all like wealthy uh, Mexican uh, businessmen or landowners. <laughs> and you're basically trying to uh, sway the political climate of Mexico to your favor. So whether that's being loyal to President Diaz or causing a rebellion or causing anarchy, whatever the case may be, and you're building tracts of land, it's all cards. So it's kind of a tableau building game. But you're basically buying cards of the market, playing them to your tableau, but you're basically increasing your tracts of land, you're getting... Uh, uh, troops to go out and occupy other people's lands. You're trying to hire different uh, shady dealings to happen, um, all with the goal of whenever a political topple happens, that you're uh, you're going to be the one that comes out in 
at the top of the list. Um, and so there's a lot of ways to like mitigate that and manage that. But really, it's just a game about very clever card play. And it is a very, very, it's one of the hardest games in the world to teach because you have to think a game where there's 400 unique cards, how do you even go about beginning to teach that game? Uh, so I've, I've had very little success trying to teach new people how to play this game. But at the end of the day, it always is one of those games that like when I get to play it with people that really know how to play it, that it's one of the best experiences I've ever played because it's so tactical. It's so like tense. It's just, it's very, very special game and there's nothing out there like it. It is just such a unique experience and I love it. <laughs> I absolutely love Pax Perfuriana. Wow. Intriguing. Not really. I'm sorry, <laughs> Joe, but I'm I'm mentally checking off all the boxes as to why this does not appeal to me. <laughs> oh no, it, this is I would say this game I, I there are not very many people that I think would like it. It is a very very weird animal for sure. It is a very bizarre style of game and not something a lot of people I think could get on board, but there's there's a few of us out there that really dig this, and uh, we oh, like to get together and play it. <laughs> nice. Cool. That's my number four, Pax Porfiriana. All right. My number three is a game that wasn't on the list last year because we had not played it, but uh, we've enjoyed playing it together. It is Grand Austria Hotel. And... Uh, like the theme, uh, enjoyed. So we watched, uh, also watched Grand Budapest Hotel in the last year, I think, and enjoyed that movie. And uh, similar, you're in a, a large hotel and you're uh, getting uh, guests into your cafe and then moving them into rooms in your hotel. And uh, the uh, it's dice placement, which I really like. So uh, at the beginning of the round, you roll a handful of dice and that. Uh, determines what actions and how powerful they are for the round. And then you uh, do worker placement to choose those actions then. And uh, yeah, so there's a lot of uh, moving pieces where you're having to prepare rooms before you get uh, people ready to move into them. And uh, you've got a hand of cards. And it's one of those games where you want to play all the cards that you have, uh, like Agricola, but you end up only being able to play a few of them uh, during the game. And, uh, yep, have uh, enjoyed playing this one. The last time we played it, it was Smoked very Brian. early in the game that it was obvious <laughs> I was going to lose because if your engine uh, clutches up on you, then uh, you're done for. It's, it's very hard to recover. But uh, in spite of that... I uh, still enjoyed it, even that game, and uh, it's the one that I want to keep playing more and getting to the point where I can make everything run smoothly and, and not uh, come stumbling out of the gate and, <laughs> and and cost myself the game in the first half hour. Yeah, Brian got me this for my birthday uh, this past year, and we've had a lot of enjoyable games out of it. I will say, uh, like, it felt really good to smoke Brian this last time <laughs> because the very first game that we played on it it was the reverse. I had like 15 points and he had 170 or whatever. Uh, it was wasn't awful. that bad. <laughs> wow. I think I've, I know I've played this game, but it was a really long time ago, but I remember really, really enjoying it. I don't think you enjoyed it 
quite as much to do. <laughs> the Grand Budapest Hotel is a phenomenal movie mm-hmm. because it's made by a, an artist of a director. <laughs> um, Grand Austria Hotel is a very mediocre game because it is made by <laughs> two very mediocre game designers. Right. Ouch. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I, I this is this to me. I played it and I was like, "Wow, this is about as run of the mill boring Euro as you can get." Hmm. That's what I felt. I was just like, yeah. "This is just literally paint by numbers Euro." But well, but dice. The three of us can play and have a good time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you can bring us water. <laughs> <laughs> I did say at the beginning. I want to point out. I did say at the beginning. That I'm a very harsh critic of games. Right. And I'm very mean to games. And that does not mean, and I'm saying this to the world out there, if I say <laughs> something mean about a game that you like, that's fine. You're yeah. everyone in the world is perfectly welcome to like that game. What really bothers me is when people think that I'm personally attacking them because uh, I don't yeah. like a game they like. Yeah. No, games you're, you're are attacking the designers, not the players. And yeah, it's not a reflection on how I feel about people as people, right? Right. Um, but yeah, nope. I, I just felt that this game was just completely boring. Yeah. Well, maybe if I if I had played as many games as you, maybe I would feel the same way. You but were as jaded. I'm pretty happy with this mediocre game. It's my <laughs> number three Grand Austria Hotel. I think dice placement. This one is not quite dice placement because it's a shared pool of dice. But uh Dice worker placement is is one of my favorites in that. Dice drafting? This is a, this is I guess this is kind of dice drafting. If each dice if each die was a a different action. Yeah. I guess it is. I guess it is dice drafting. So there you go. My number 3, Grand Austria Hotel. All right. My number 3 was number 4 last year and it's a game that we first learned from you and uh from you Wiggins folk. Um, oh, yeah. I don't know if you remember or not. I think it was like one of the few times that we went over to your house uh, while you were here in Mobile. And I think it was the only time we had them over, actually. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think uh-huh. so. And you brought one of your games. And it was, dun- it was Dungeon Pets. Oh, what a good game. So yeah. good. That was good. Yeah, I love this one. I love the theme. You're raising these little monstrous creatures uh, to be pets for these uh, dungeon lords. And so you've got to uh, get a cage for a special cage that will hold this uh, special animal. And then you've got to feed it and ent- entertain it and clean up its poop. And uh, you've got to uh, send your little imps to uh, do all these different things. And so you want to manage your imps and your money, f- your resources uh, perfectly and uh but you also want to be the first person to get to certain spaces uh before everybody else does and uh there's just a lot going on it's definitely it was the heaviest game i had played up to this point mm-hmm. and you guys ended up giving me a lot of help and that's that's definitely how i won that game <laughs> um and i really appreciate it i i i think that's very very nice when people help the new newbies um <laughs> so uh, I don't know. That just really gave me a, a super great positive feeling for that first game, and it's it's so fun, so beautiful to look at, and mm-hmm. terrific artwork, uh, very thematic, and and it's it's such a fun theme too. 
I have a hard time with this game because there's this internal war going on inside of me while I'm playing between like doing good and having a good strategy <laughs> and just reverting back to being a six-year-old girl and be like, this one is so cute and I'm just going to play with it. Nice. So <laughs> I, I really love this game. I enjoy it so much. This game was my number one game for a very long until mm-hmm. I started playing really heavy games. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was my number one for for up until that point. I always considered this my number one until I played Terra Mystica and then started playing other stuff. Uh, but yeah, I, I still have a very fond, fond, fond love for this game, and it's one that will never leave my co- uh, collection. Oh, mm-hmm. good. I'm glad that you're not burnt out on it like uh, terraforming Mars or anything. Yeah, it's a. Uh... I also really like it. I think it's my number 16. But every time I look at it on the shelf, it does make me tired just looking at it and like, oh, man, I would have, we'd have to it's set really it up and then we'd ha- we're going to have to think about it, think about every move. And it does give me AP a little bit. But in spite of all that, yeah, it is. It is still a great game. I do like this one a lot. So that's my number three, Dungeon Pets. My number three is Lignum. And hmm. this game is pretty cool. And there's two parts to it, which is part of why I love it. The first part I just love the most is you're kind of sort of racing-ish around this track, picking up all the stuff you're going to need, like a sled or hiring workers, getting saws, all the resources that you're going to need. And whoever gets the space first gets it. But if you pass up something, you can't turn around and go back to get it. And so you've got to very strategically, like, just go on this track and Get far enough ahead you can get what you need, but not too far that you're passing up a bunch of other vital stuff. So it's this tricky way. And then whoever gets around first gets to pick their choice for pick their plot of the forest where they want to chop down trees at first. Mm-hmm. So there's this this big struggle of how fast and how much do I want to skip versus how much do I need. So this big, huge internal struggle of getting around the board. And then once you get around, then phase two happens. And now you get to use all the stuff you just picked up and you go to a forest and everybody kind of randomly, not randomly, you secretly choose which of the six forest spots you're going to chop down trees at. And if two people or all four people choose the same spot, well, then you guys have to, share the trees which there's Hmm. you know could you could end up thinking you're going to this amazing spot with four trees and everybody went there so now you get one and now you're like okay now what i'm gonna do gotta readjust (laughs) your plan and then part two is you cut down the trees and you've got to figure out a way to get them back from the forest back to your little fabrication area whether you're gonna float them down the river or you're gonna put them on a truck with a donkey and bring them back, put them on a sled in the winter and bring them back. What are are you going to do? And then once you get them back, are you just going to chop them up and use them for firewood? Because you have to to stay warm. But you also have to choose to take some boards and cut them down and make actual things with them. And there's different kinds of wood with different values. It's super meaty and there's so much going on. And I really like this game, weirdly, because I haven't quite figured it out yet. Hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, it's one of the games where I almost just kind of barely squeeze by with the skin of my teeth at the end of each game. And I love the going back again and again and again and trying to figure out how to do it better. This is like my number 11. This is mm-hmm. one of my favorite games of all time. Uh, I really love this game. I had it as number 10 for 
like twice while I was making this <laughs> list and went back and forth and back and forth. Cause this was like the closest to being on the list uh, that wasn't, uh, I really love it. It's really, really fantastic. Um, so I don't know if Heather knows this or not. Um, but this game came out in Germany and there were only like 200 copies of it made originally. Wow. And I paid like $300 <laughs> to have this imported uh, over from Germany to America because I heard there's this really heavy logistics uh, game about being a, a, a lumberjack. And I was mm. like, oh, that sounds so cool. Mm. And I found somebody that had it that was willing to sell it. And he's like, oh, I'll sell it for $300. <laughs> and I was like, sold. And I got it. And when you take a risk for something uh, – that's $300 and you have really no idea what you're going to get. Uh, you really hope it's good. Yep. And I did not regret one second uh, spending the money on this game. It has since been reprinted by Capstone Games, So it's mm-hmm. very easy to get for a very reasonable price. Uh, so it, it is easily uh, accessible now, but I, yeah, Lignum's good. So good. Yeah. You guys are, Wet my appetite for it, and it sounds like it's an unused theme too. Being a lumberjack and and uh, uh, and then when you're done, you stuff about that. Yeah, yeah, it's very thematic too. Yeah, well, there we go. Nice, sold. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I uh, I added a YouTube uh, review to our list. We'll go check that one yeah, out. Yeah, but make sure you watch a reviewer that likes this type of game because <laughs> okay. Tom Vassell ain't going to give you nothing on this one. <laughs> yeah, I don't think uh, I didn't see any Dice Tower reviews for this one, so I, I think uh, I think you're safe. So that's my number two. Oh, no, sorry, not number two. Number three, Lignum. My number three, I love auction games. Auction games, I think, are some of the best games. Hmm. But there is an, and, and you know, there's many, many great auction games. Raw, Modern Art, Medici, uh, so many really good auction games out there on the market uh, that can really give you a good taste of what is, uh, w- what's good. Um, but the best auction game, eBay, that the electronic has ever existed auction game, and will ever <laughs> exist, is a game called Noah Heimat. <laughs> Noah Heimat is a German game about being a uh, land developer. I don't know. It's very themeless. It's an auction (laughs) game, really. Uh, But it is a closed economy game in which you are literally just auctioning off different pieces to build a city with, and people are bidding on that, and you're taking their money or paying them their highest bid, and the money is just changing hands, and the swing of the game can be really insane. everything's going to score points in the game, whether it's positive or negative. So no matter what you build, it's going to score you points. It's just up to you, whether you can get those points to be negative or positive. Uh, so this is one of the very few games in which I've, there's such a good feeling when you can win by scoring zero points because you've made everybody else score negative (laughs) points. It's so good. Um, It's super cutthroat. It is probably one of the most vicious auction games I've ever played. Uh, There's a huge meta to it. So the more you play it, the more you understand the game and the more there seems to be like this deeper meaning of how people interpret things and look at things and decide things and make decisions. Uh, it's really, really intense, really crazy. It's super simple, too. It's like, hmm. it, it takes me like two minutes to explain the rules. It's like, oh, you pick a thing, you auction it. Here's what the pieces do. Done. Let's play. Um, but it is a super, uh, super 
like intense game and it's the best auction game that's ever been made and no auction game will ever be made that's better than this so uh (laughs) check out noah heimet uh it has been reprinted and is a beautiful edition from capstone games called the estates so uh Hmm. that is the new edition of it it's very easy to come by uh so definitely check out the estates also, um, in the estates, one of the colors that you can be is purple. It's one of the companies, right? And um, it's Heather Realty. So, oh. right. nice. <laughs> so, have either of these last two games? Were you the one that uh, showed Clay the game first and got it reprinted? Yeah, both of them. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> yes. So, uh, nice. just so everyone knows, uh, Clay is a really good friend of mine, and he ha- owns a company that makes board games, but he really kind of got his start by printing some really heavy out of print games. Uh, and so I became really good friends with Clay. And basically I would go to Clay and be like, this game's amazing. You need to reprint it. <laughs> uh, so it's not necessarily like I have any skin in the game, but Clay has seen these games. He, he also has thought that they are amazing and has made them available for people to get very easily. So you're That's awesome. pretty responsible for Lignum being not $300 anymore. Is that right? Yeah, but I'm also responsible for spending $300 on it, too. <laughs> That's awesome. That's really cool. Don't worry. We're not judging you. I mean, we spend a lot of... In fact, we just spent a lot of money on a game that's arriving next week. Oh, yeah. Ooh, we can talk about that after Christmas. the stinger. Yep, yep. Very cool. So I hate auction games. I'm bad at auctions. I have no risk assessment. No, <laughs> not that part of my brain doesn't exist anymore or ever existed. <laughs> but uh, New Hyman or the Estates, I get that's the game I actually can play. I don't win. I don't play very well, but it's enjoyable enough for me to go through and be like the extra player when everybody else in the game group really wants to play this game. So whatever that means, it's a good <laughs> game. Cool. All right. We'll My number on. three, the estates slash Noah Hyman. All right. Uh, my number two, I don't think you would be able to guess, Melissa, but go ahead and have a try. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Do I get a clue? Well, a hint? Yeah. So last year it was, it was in my top 20, but it was, I mean, it was number 18. Do we own it? We don't own it. We like played it with your brother Tim. Just Imhotep? Nope. Uh Shogun? Shogun. Whoa. Yeah. Uh so uh so Shogun is uh Japanese theme, but it's uh you have a map and you're um with a really interesting um action selection you have cards for each of the territories that you uh control. So I guess picture risk to start. Um, and then you you have a card for each of the territories that you control. And then each territory has different uh, stats for things like rice, which you need to uh, feed your uh, empire and uh, r- how rich they are, which you'll need to tax so you can uh, do different things like uh, bidding for turn order. And um, there's also uh, attacking uh, areas. Uh, so basically what you're going to do is put out your cards to these different spots. And if I put uh, this prefecture card on attack, then that means I'm going to do an attack from that location. If I put it over mm-hmm. here, this is the location I'm going to uh, tax and get money from. And 
uh, you lay all those out, and then uh, and you only know partly what order the actions are going to be done in. Uh, so sometimes you don't know, for example, if an attack is going to happen before you tax your people, and so you might not even control that location anymore by the time it gets around to uh, taxing your people. And so it's uh, you're planning, uh, and you can only uh, use each of those cards once per round, so I, there might be a place that I really need to add defenders to to bolster the defense of my the border of my empire, but it's also the best place for me to collect rice. So, uh, do the other players see that? Can I just collect rice and leave it unprotected? Is that too much of a risk? And so you're looking around what everybody else is going to be doing and trying to figure out what order you need to do your actions in. And uh, I really, really enjoy playing it. it. Takes us forever to play. And I definitely overplanned this one, but um, some of the most fun that I've had (laughs) playing this game. Uh, The first time that we played, I attacked every opportunity that I could, attacked multiple times every round, and uh, won a great victory. And the second time I played, I attacked as much as I could, and I lost, and I came not even close to victory, but I achieved enlightenment. (laughs) And so, uh, yeah, it's... Definitely, I, I use risk as the uh, bridge to explain the game, but it's not really, uh, it's as far away from risk as you can get in, in the style of game. It's got the cube tower that I didn't even mention. When you do combat, you toss your cubes into this tower, and whichever ones come out are the, the ones that have uh, come out of the battle, and whoever has more cubes come out wins the battle. Uh, it's really great. So this is a good game, a well-designed game that I did not enjoy playing with you and Tim this last time because there was one turn where you took an hour, a stinking hour, to decide how you wanted to play your cards. It was very important. It was absolutely ridiculous. Oh, man. Uh, People can really be prone to AP in this game. And that sour, I, I like this game a lot, but goodness, set a time limit of like 10 minutes. You make your decisions and you stick with them, okay? Yeah, I'm with <laughs> Melissa. If you would have taken an hour to play to play a turn, I, I yeah, I don't do AP. I don't, mm-hmm. and I also don't let other people do AP. So like, I will, I, I will pressure people into be like, <laughs> you have to make a decision now. Like we, we're doing this. I got, I mean, fortunately, we were at the house, and so I was like, well, I guess I'll get up and start fixing breakfast for tomorrow, and maybe I'll wash some dishes, too, you know. I'll get some, you know, it's 10 o'clock at night. I I've, guess I'll start getting some chores done in I the middle of the I felt that was giving me permission to take more time to decide, since you were already washing dishes anyway. So, yes, I normally agree with you on AP, but something in this game... Um, Makes it feel like it's all right for me. No, it is so. not. <laughs> you ought to be ashamed of yourself. Never okay. <laughs> mm, it's it. I the feel first, the first part of admitting you have a problem. The first part of dealing with your problem, Brian, is admitting you. Have. Oh, see, Brian's I, very I good do. at admitting he has. I do problems. have a problem with AP, but and he's very comfortable with his problems. I feel like it's part of the theme. The theme, the Japanese culture theme, to very, very much think through your decisions no. and not rush into if action. You want to get in touch with Japanese culture? Just fold your clothes really nice. I mean, <laughs> mm. so have you guys played this a little, one? A uh, little Marie Kondo joke for all or, uh, your listeners out there. 
It's you... truly the best way to fold. I'll just say that. Oh, really? I haven't even seen she has a special way to fold clothes. Yes. You haven't seen Tidying Up on Netflix? Okay, different nope. subject, but... Put that on your list of things to watch. <laughs> <laughs> no, I haven't played this either. No. Okay, or, or Wallenstein. It's prone to AP, so now I'm reconsidering. But I'm glad you like it. Well, play it with Joe. You know, you okay. guys will enjoy it. You'll, you won't let each other take hour-long decisions. I won't take hour-long decisions next time. That's my number two, Shogun. I'm going to... Yeah. 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 59 minutes. I'm still under. Okay. So, apologies to you, Joe, but no, I'm not really sorry. My number Uh-oh. two is Grand Austria Hotel. It's a Whoa. good game. Okay? For a game that high five. we just got last year, for it to be this high and have displayed so many <laughs> other games, this is a good game. I it's uh, I think it's definitely one of the most tense games we've ever played. It's got the uh, kind of the Agricola thing where you're always trying to trying to get what you need to to feed your family and also build your ranch. Uh, it's got that tension where you've got to keep your hotel running and get as many people into your cafe and then up into your hotel as possible. But you've still got to uh, make sure your hotel meets the standards that the emperor uh, requires. And, and so you're trying to appease the, the emperor of the state. And uh, <laughs> uh, this is one of the few games that no matter what, if I did well or if I did poorly, I always come away thinking, I want to play that again right now. Uh, and I always think, yes, I come away with, with all these visions of here's what I want I would do differently and here's how I would how I would uh, make things even better next time. And it's, it's such a fun theme. It feels so satisfying to be running your own hotel and it's very thematic. So poo-poo to you. So, <laughs> <laughs> so that's my number two. <laughs> all right. And that's cool. your hotel. <laughs> Uh, my number two is a game called Rooshafart. <laughs> Rooster <laughs> fart? <laughs> I don't know. Capstone recently reprinted it and called it the Ruhr. Um, because uh. it's about floating down the Ruhr River, kind of, sort of. Um, it's really oh, I love this game so much. So there's dice in it, but you don't ever, like, roll them they're just you just need something with six different sides on it um so you are on the Ruhr river and you have to go up to get goods and essentially the dice are goods and then float them or coal that's what it is and um and then you have to float them back down the river to score points for them and the different dice are you know one two three four five and six different value coal that you can get and bring back and there's two different portions of the map, and you have to unlock yourself um, half of the map before you can go there. So if you unlock it early, you get to go there, and nobody else is allowed to yet. And so it's it's I hmm. just, I don't even know why I like this game. I just really love this game, and every time I get into it, I just like forget anybody else is playing, and I'm just in the zone, and I just go all out. And then while you're also just floating coal down the river, there's different houses and things if i'm remembering joe you can correct me because i probably get this wrong um 
I know what I'm doing when I'm playing the game. I just can't <laughs> reiterate it afterwards. <laughs> There's different little houses and locks along the way that you have to, things you have to unlock, little houses you have to build along the way to get yourself victory points in several different areas. And um, the game is constantly changing, just like, you know, Tide in a River is changing. And there's, I think, three or four different actions that you can do, like go forward, go backwards, go all the way back to the start, or like get a dollar constellation action. And um, there's a blocker, a little wood piece that just kind of goes back and forth or you pull out of the, it's slightly randomized. So every turn, some sort of action is blocked. So you're planning, I got to go ahead and get this thing. And then... Now you can't go ahead anymore. If you want to go ahead, now you have to pay $2, which is a lot of money in this game. Money is so scarce. And um, so paying two bucks is like, are you kidding me? Um, so it's resource management. And then you're unlocking these different, what's that on your game board? What are they called? Oh, you're just like unlocking different special technologies. Yeah. That <laughs> help you do things better and cool. And the first person they get them gets a special prize or gets a special credit for them i guess you would say um i'm really bad at explaining games if you can tell by this podcast <laughs> but i really love playing them and the Rur is definitely my number two game yeah i can't explain hmm. it this game's fine i like it just fine but man you really fell in love with this like, like from the, the first, first time play. you played it and i was hmm. like this is i was like game. and i was just like this one <laughs> okay sure nice yeah. that was a good uh it's a nice Light medium game, I would say. Hmm. Maybe medium. Okay. Medium. It's uh, it's on our to watch list. Huh. Uh, it was a good uh, it was a good move to take fart out of the title, for sure. <laughs> it has three F's in it. <laughs> yeah, it's like a really weird German word. It's yeah. like Russia fart. And Clay reprinted the first. It's a uh, three games in a cold trilogy, and he reprinted the first one. And the first one is called Hasselknecht. One word. Uh, and you can just imagine walking into a game store and seeing a game box that says Hosh will connect yeah. next to a game called Russia fart with three F's in it and just being like, no, no I'm out. I'm so impressed that you can just rattle those off, Joe, without any practice or any stuttering. That's, that's oh, impressive. Well I have no idea if I'm pronouncing them right. <laughs> Some German guy's going to write you guys. Yeah. Are you kidding me? You slaughtered those words. Nice. Cool. We'll Anyways, check it out. The Rur by Capstone Games, my number two. My number two. I just need to take a moment because <laughs> this game deserves a moment of silence. Oh, but uh yeah. no, it it's that good. It's and we need some reverence. <laughs> Roads and boats. Oh wow. we have crossover. We do. Roads and boats is one of the greatest games that's ever been made. So true. If you like logistics, Hmm. then this is the game for you because this is the mother of all logistics games. In this game, you basically, before the game starts, you build a map and every map is very different. So every map changes the way that you're going to play. Me and Heather have played like maps where we're all on two separate islands and we have to try to like get to this like, island with all the resources in the middle and sometimes hmm. we play like just like really crazy intense uh maps where we're like right next to each other fighting uh there's all kinds of really unique ways to play it basically the game comes with like 50 different map scenarios or you can go online where fans have created like a million different kinds wow and just kind of choose the kind of game you want to play but basically you start the game uh on this map and you have a couple donkeys 
and you have some geese and manifest destiny because <laughs> uh, you basically have to build an empire out of that. And you can build steamships and trucks or wagons and uh, all of these different like manufacturing plants to build different goods and to upgrade those goods into better goods and to use those goods to get different uh, upgrades and different technology bonuses and all of this stuff. But guess what? None of that matters. <laughs> None of it matters because at the end of the game, the only thing that matters is how much money you've made. So you only mm. score points for gold. Stock certificates. <laughs> I remember. <laughs> nice. At the end of the game, the only resources that are worth points are gold, coins, and stock certificates. <laughs> and they're worth 10, 40, and 120 victory points, respectively. And it's re and that's it. And you don't... The other really interesting thing is you don't own anything that you build. So if I spend the resources... Because we're all on a shared map. And mm -hmm. I build a, uh, a, a factory that turns wood into planks so I can build better buildings later on and better, uh, like, transporters... But you come in and you use that uh, that building before I do. If you have turn order, you get to use it and I don't. And that's just one of the really cool dynamics in the game is just like how nothing is really owned unless you're actually carrying it like on one of your transporters. And it's just such a unique, special game. If you ever see the player aid, it's just mind boggling. You're like, this doesn't <laughs> seem like a game humans can play. <laughs> and it really is though. It really is a lot of fun. It's really cool. Uh, you cover the map in a dry erase uh, sheet of plexiglass mm. and you use markers to like draw where your roads are because it's mm -hmm. wherever you want them to be. Um, it's really special. It's really just such a really amazing, amazingly unique game and i love it i'm absolutely from the first time i played this game i'm just like no other game is as much of a sandbox as this you can just do whatever you want to in this game it's really phenomenal well that sounds really Someday. cool Someday. it's too bad it's it's got a little bit of an un a, a bit of an unprepossessing title just roads and boats uh it that's because we, that's what you start off with a road and a boat, and <laughs> no. so you build from there. It, it's one of those things where the look of the game and the name of the game is meant to deter people because it is <laughs> it is a very heavy, very complicated too. game, hmm. and it's very long. And it's one of those games where you really have to know what you're getting into. So I think they want the game to kind of scare people off because they don't want people to accidentally try and be like, "This game was not what I wanted to play." Right? Nice. Um. So I, I think that there was a little bit of purpose in calling it such a mundane <laughs> game name. It just, I, yeah. I, I can't speak to Splatter. They're such a unique entity in gaming. Yeah. But um, but yeah, I, I think that there was a little bit of thought that was like, oh, shouldn't we call this something cooler? They're like, we better not. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So that's my number two, Roads and Boats. All right. Down to where it gets really good. All right, to the number ones. And mine's no surprise. It's the same as it's been. Uh, it, it was our gateway game. And uh, still my favorite, Cosmic Encounter. Got to play this one on the cruise and uh, had a fun time. And just like uh, playing with the hand of cards, trying to make it work somehow, trying to turn uh, three negotiates and... Uh, a one attack into 
a win and uh, trying to play the other players off each other and make alliances and break alliances. And uh, yeah, it's possible that this could uh, slip at some point, but uh, I think it'll always probably be a top 10 game for me. It's uh, still one that we really enjoy playing with family and uh, it's not, I think we've played it once where it hasn't gone over well. Um, so uh, Joe, go ahead and uh, well, before say he why does, you. I want to say <laughs> this is also my number one. All right, back on top. Yeah, what? yeah so um, yeah, it was the, the when we played it at the cruise that it was just such a phenomenal game. We had what eight people, seven people playing it. Yeah, and this is one of those games where definitely the more the merrier. And uh, of course, we were playing with the the fully tricked out version that uh, the Dice Tower has with all the aliens and all the expansions and uh, the sky was the limit. And so we just had so much fun and everybody had played it before too. And, you know, maybe needed a little bit of a refresher on the rules, but they were very familiar with the game. So it was just one of those shining moments. Uh, I, I just love that you have control over stuff, uh, over how much, uh, so the theme, for those who are listening and aren't familiar with the game, is everybody's an alien who can break the rules of the game in some way. That's their special player ability. And you're going out trying to conquer the galaxy uh, and land your ships on five other different planets. And so I love that you have control over you know, what cards you want to play, who you want to invite, how many ships you want to send into battle. But then there's also a great deal of randomness and risk that add fun and a winning chance for each player. You could have a super crummy uh, deck of cards. And yet by uh, being careful and uh, about who you ally with and, and, and judging things right and stuff, you, you could actually end up winning. So uh, this... This was our gateway game. It's back to number one in my heart. <laughs> That's awesome. We don't share the same opinion as you yeah, guys. Go ahead, go ahead, guys. Go ahead. <laughs> Brian and Melissa, remember, this has no reflection on you as as people. Um, <laughs> but this is the stupidest <laughs> game in the entire world. Oh, my goodness. There, there's no point to this game. It's just randomness. Why, instead of wasting four hours playing this game, you could just flip a coin and decide who's going to win because that's the amount of skill and strategy that goes into this kind of game. And that's fine. But I just cannot understand for the life of me why, besides the fact that Tom Vassell likes this game, people find it <laughs> so what I've played this game like more than once. I've played it multiple times trying to see what the magic is that other people keep uh -huh. talking about. And all I see is just a big random mess with nothing that you just, just, oh, here's a special power. You can do a weird thing. Okay. And now you just get to do a random game. Well, hmm. it's. I think that it's uh, very thematic, very true to life. Life is chaos. It's not and you're thematic. You're going out there, uh, <laughs> trying to conquer the galaxy, and uh, and yet you're coming up across these strange and wild and wonderful creatures who have different abilities than you do. Yeah, I, I don't you know. You live a much better life than I do, <laughs> apparently, because. 
That's not my life. I see the world through rosy glasses. Yeah, I'm not sure. <laughs> Maybe you're playing with uh, with people that are uh, having AP problems because it should yeah. not be a four hour game. It's an hour and a half game. Um, and then uh, I don't know. Like it, the only thing that's really random is I guess the cards, right? So it's a card game. Um, yeah, it's just like left a bunch up of them to on the list. Whims, I think. I yeah. guess. Yeah, yeah. It's so just... you're saying it's arbitrary? Like I was complaining about uh, Sheriff of Nottingham. Um, yeah, but you, you can do this one, and Sheriff of Nottingham takes like 20 minutes. Oh, that no. one always takes us a lot longer. Yeah, that one always takes us at so. least an hour, maybe hour and a half. Yeah, oh, man. they're about equal length games for us, I think. So interesting. Yeah, oh. I don't know. It's it's not. <laughs> yeah. uh, I even enjoyed I just, I... the game, the game that we played with the both of you. Um, yeah, that's ugh. still one of our we favorite enjoyed. memories: is the two but, of you uh, lying oh. to each other, and we were both convinced. That you guys were telling the truth. That was a, that was a good cosmic. W- was that the one time that it didn't go over well? <laughs> uh, no, no, no I, th- well I thought that one went us. over well. I, th- I thought that was still a pretty oh, memorable game. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, we played with uh, some people that weren't really into it, and one person just wanted to look at the card art and. Was it family and stuff? No, okay. no, it was some uh, some college kids that we were. Oh, I oh that no. We, yeah, we were having over to the house. So. She was but, an artist. And so she just was fascinated by the art and yeah. not interested in the game. And yeah, but uh, <laughs> no, other than that, it's to be appreciated, but before after <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. So still number one for us. How about you guys? My number one game of all time is because I've never ever had a bad time playing this game, and I don't think anybody I've ever played with has had a bad time playing this game. Hmm. Every experience that I have is going over incredibly well. Challenge and accepted. That is two rooms in a boom. Uh, the lightest game play of this. all. The- it is so amazing. It's so fun. I found out after I fell in love with it. It's designed by this guy who lives like twenty minutes from us that we actually got to meet at like origins or huh. something like that. That's so cool. Oh, cool. Um, yeah. And I just love it. It's a, it's a great social deduction. It's a party game, not a social deduction. Kind of is. Whatever. It's a party game. You need at least 15 people to play it. So mm. it doesn't get to the table whatever because you can't have you play it at a table. But we just, <laughs> we don't get to play very often. 15 to 30 people. One person, one team is the blue team. One's the red. They're completely assigned at random. There's just 15 cards and you just pass them all out and you get what you get. Someone from the red team is a bomber. Someone from the blue team is the president. And you literally have to play in two different rooms or a giant open area with two sections. And um, at the end of the game, you have to have the president. The president wants to be in a separate room from the bomber so that he lives. The bomber wants to blow up the president. But what makes this game so much more fun is it's played in three different um rounds the first round's five minutes second round's three minutes the last round is one minute and at the end of each round you have to send over hostages three three hostages the first time two the second and third time so you're switching people in rooms back and forth and you've got to figure out who's on my team who's not on my team all the while you're trying to learn from who's on the other team not just who's on the other team but who are they are they the president are they whoever and then there's so many cool other cards you can mix in like the medic and the engineer and the bomb won't go off unless the bomber and the engineer confer with each other and know who each other are full share full card share with each other Hmm. and the president can't win unless he 
full card shares with the medic because otherwise he'll die anyways if he doesn't get his medicine. <laughs> and so there's a million other cards that get thrown into it. Um, cards that will make you... Like there's it, cards where like you can force someone to show you their card or yes. something like that because you're the enforcer. Hmm. It's so many things. And there's other cards that will throw a third team in there, a gray team, where you're not on anybody's team. You're just <laughs> by yourself. And, um, and then there's cards that allow you to just like... There's one role that you can throw in where you can just randomly walk from room to room. You don't have to. <laughs> You're you don't diplomat. Have to yeah. Uh, so you can just wow. go back and forth and eavesdrop on conversations. It's so fun. It's a party game and it's timed. So you have that sense of urgency about you. And it's, I've never, I've played this with teenagers and a couple of like upper elementary kids mixed in that group hmm. with adults. I've played with complete strangers and close friends. Every single time, everybody has an amazing time. I really this is. Play this. W- <laughs> this is one of the best games when it comes to social games mm-hmm. out there. Like it blows everything out of the window. I mean, it is a big, mm-hmm. massive experience, mm-hmm. but uh, this game is so much fun. And it's one of those games where it's really fast. So this is a game you play like 10, 15 times, like in a row. Like it's not something like, like Oh, let's play a round of two rooms in a room. No, you play it's 10, 15 rounds. Cause it's mm-hmm. timed. It's literally 10 minutes or less a game. Wow. And then you find out who wins and you mix in some different roles and play that. Um, and like there's like people usually start off and like oh, I don't know and then they start playing it and then at the end they're just like yelling at people they're like that's the president I knew it don't send him it's just like it's just so much fun and it's really fun when like the blue team knows that the president is in the other room and mm-hmm. then the bomber the red team knows that the bomber's in the room with them and then at the very last minute they send us hostage and nobody knows what the other room is doing and they send it thinking that that they're going to win, but then they both just ex- exchange the bomber and the president. And so the president leaves <laughs> and the bomber comes into the room and it's just like, nope. Nice. It's so fun. It's, it's really just a phenomenal game. I really love this game so much. Sweet. Yeah. We, uh, we definitely want to want to get this one, maybe set draft, uh, set up a party yeah. to do it or something for that many people yeah. or uh, wait to do it at a con or something. But mm-hmm. yep. I'm, they play I'm it excited. At every, at the- Gen Con and Origins, yeah, they like okay. demo it in the hallway outside the game hall. Yeah, this is a game that at conventions you'll usually find them playing to like five o'clock in the morning every right. night. Yeah, and just and in, in the hallways, it's crazy. Nice. So yeah, awesome. Two rooms in a boom. That's my number one. My number one is kind of a cheat. Yes. Um, it's not really a game. <laughs> yeah. It's a genre of games. Um. But they're all kind of the same system, so it kind of counts. It would have been a um, really boring list if you had just had 10 of these for your list. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So so basically, uh, my favorite games of all time are games that are called 18xx games. And um, literally, like, my top 10 games would all be 18xx games. So that makes for a really bad list. Mm-hmm. Um, but basically they're all very, very similar. I do have favorites and not favorites. Um, but this is definitely something that I really love, but let me try to explain what an 18xx game is. Uh, grab some coffee. <laughs> um, so 18xx stands for 18 and just two other numbers because it's either usually a year. So 1817 or 1880 or 1830. So really riveting titles, right? <laughs> um, and what these games are, are they are 
economic simulations that put you in the driver's seat of a train company uh, that is basically buying and selling stocks of their trains to manipulate the market in favorability of trying to get the most profit out of their train companies or dump failing train companies on other people. They're extremely economic, very uh, they're very numbers oriented. They're very long to play. I think some of the shorter ones run about three hours. Wow. And some of the longer ones that I've played take like 10 to 12 hours to play. <laughs> um, there are even some games out there that take like over a day to play. Um, they have to be split up into multiple sessions. Um, but they're very long, very thinky, very mathematic, very complicated because there there's so much to do. There are very little rules because it's more about manipulation than it is about following rules to get a certain like victory point. It's not victory points. It's <laughs> just you're just manipulating money. Uh, and it's a very fascinating system. It's a very wonderful ecosystem to immerse yourself in because no other games feel like this or do what these games do. Uh, they are just very special unto themselves. There's a very cultish group of people that really like them. <laughs> Usually they're people that enjoy much heavier style of games. Um, but man, I, I can't explain it because I, I try to explain these games to people and people are like, that doesn't even sound like it could be fun. But every once in a while, I'll, I'll get a new player to come and try one of these games with our group uh, or a group of people. And every once in a while, I just see that light come out in their eyes and they're like, this is amazing because there's just something about it that you can't get anywhere else. And it is just such a wonderful, uh, just way to go about learning how different financial markets work. It's really, really interesting, really, really special. And I highly recommend that everybody try it at least one time in their gaming career, just so that they can say they don't like it. Uh, I know famously Tom Vassell is like, I will never play an 18XX game, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, well, there's some that only take three hours. And I mean, Arkham Horror takes longer than that. And you've played that lots of times. So I'm just like, why not try one so you can at least talk intelligently about it instead of just being like, oh, I'm never going to play one of those stupid games. And I'm like, it just doesn't make any sense to me because they're so cool and so special. And I just wish more people would find out about these games and fall in love with them. It's not something I used to do it a lot Mm -hmm. And recently I do it less and less because I have a young child and I don't want to spend 12 hours on a Saturday playing board games uh, because I have other responsibilities. But it is something that when I get the opportunity to play one of these games, it is a special treat. And I really, really, really do. Love it. Cool. I would try it. So I've played a couple. I've played a couple it. of these. Uh-huh. It's not awful <laughs> oh. I'm a sterling recommendation no so like I mean it's definitely a lot to get my mind around I'm like okay I think I got this figured out I'm like okay the game's over in two turns like oh, well I didn't get a chance to do anything but so but it, I mean I was able to get through it and have I mean there would be occasions where I'm like, I'm going to do this. And Joe would be like, um, maybe make a different move. <laughs> like, <laughs> here's some nice, subtle advice. I think, let me steer you in a better direction. So I appreciated that. But I would, I mean, I played, I played, I think, three or four different games. So they haven't been horrible enough to make me never, ever want to play an 18XX 
XX. Not anywhere close to my top 50 games, to be sure. But I think <laughs> I would say definitely try it without fear. It's It doesn't have to be as daunting. Get someone who knows how to play and play one of the easier, more introductory 18XX games. And I think it's not a total waste of your time. <laughs> it's just a very different game because yeah. the game happens in the stock rounds and really all you're doing is buying and selling stock certificates and like starting new companies. And then during the rounds, you don't really do anything because the game just kind of runs itself because it all is based on what you did in the previous round. And so the trains just kind of run and you make money and then you take that money and invest it elsewhere. It's just, hmm. it's about financials. It's not really about like taking turns or making moves like you would in a normal board game. So it's a very hmm. different thing to wrap your mind around. Interesting. Okay. Well, it's uh, it's definitely cool to uh, talk to people about board games. And I like talking to people that obviously everybody has their own different favorite list. And I'm, I'm glad uh, that we all have our own unique perspective and could bring some, some new stuff to the table. So yeah, well, I would, uh, I would try one of these and uh, maybe we'll get the opportunity at some point. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, that's my number one. Uh 18xx as a genre. Nice. Well, we made it, everybody. Whoa. Yeah, this is by far our longest uh episode. And uh we need to uh we still got a few more things what do we to win? do. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you get uh a little less sleep and uh <coughs> extra time extra friendship. Spent with us. Yeah. Oh, that's right, yeah. Oh, so, uh, let's see, real quick, um, if you had any others, uh, if you made any others after your 10, you can list them real quick. I'll uh, say my 11 through uh, 20, I guess. Agricola, Concordia, I've only played once, but really liked. Uh, Scythe, uh, again, only played the one time. Voyages of Marco Polo, we played on <laughs> the cruise. Melissa didn't really care for it, but... It's what... It's what... Okay, so Grand so Austria Hotel we're just listing the titles. We don't have time. Voyages to... should have been. Mm, no, this is a little bit different. This is uh, dice placement, and uh, it was quite fun. Acquire, I really liked. I've only played it once, but had fun with that one. Dungeon Pets, uh, Clans of Caledonia, Matainai, Werewords is my favorite party game, and Clank. I also really like my favorite uh, deck building game. So, Melissa, did you have any? Yes. After your ten, uh, time stories was by eleven. Yep, that's um, good. It's there mostly because of we the great experiences we've had in the past. Was your uh, number one, except for this last one. Don't play the Estrella Drive one. It's just awful. I yeah, have high it's up hopes. And down. Yeah, it. I my, a lot depends on how good the next installment is. Next is Euphoria and Captain Sonar. I love those games. Uh, they're an absolute pleasure if everyone knows what they're doing and can think on their feet. Uh, we've had a few games where they don't go too well. All right, I I'm going. Uh, let's see, 11, 12. 14 is Risk, Star Wars Edition. 15 is Caverna. Wow. 16, Time's Up. 17, Shadows Over Camelot. 18, Five Tribes. 19, Imhotep. My brother Tim owns that. Hmm. And 20, Catacombs. With the small caveat that I think this game is just a little bit too long, but otherwise, it's a blast. Cool. I guess my honorable mentions would be Shipyard, Arkwright, mm. Keyflower, Fields of Arl, and Three Kingdoms. Nice. We, Don't yeah, say uh, Keyflower. We just bought Keyflower. It's on the oh. shelf. 
So uh, gotta oh, get that one to the table. Game. I didn't want to oh, ever God. play this there... game. I, I've watched <laughs> what? reviews for it so many times, and each time Brian's like, "Yeah, this is uh, an instant buy," and I'm like, "No, this is a never play." Oh no, it's a great, great yeah, game. Yeah, there, there's, there's uh, four games that could have been my number ten. Uh, those would be uh, Lignum, uh, John Company, Keyflower, because it is amazing it absolutely <laughs> is amazing uh and then pax pamir which is a different pax game uh but uh in the vein of pax Perferiana. but yeah um all of those games really amazing uh key flower is great so good i hope you're not over hyping it, it. <laughs> uh, i have I mean, pretty low expectations so <laughs> the uh, i it's, mean it's just it's just really cool it's really great i i really like it You'll right. like it. All right. I I don't know. I will definitely let the listeners know what I think of it when we play it. <laughs> All right. All right. Uh, well, I think uh, we're going to go ahead and wrap this up. And, oh, we didn't even talk about, uh, we were going to talk about some of the games we played on the cruise. Maybe we'll do that in the future. Um, the ones we really liked were on our list. So there you go. Uh, there's that promise fulfilled. Uh, Melissa, why don't you tell the listeners how they can contact us? Yeah, you can go to our website, tto.coser.us, and slash 104 will take you straight to the show notes for this episode. Or you can go to our email address, tto.coser.us. Those yeah. are the ways to contact us. Let us know what your favorite games are, what games you heard on this list that you're interested in checking out now, and uh, games you think we should check out. All right. Well, uh, Joe and Heather, thanks so much for coming on. It was a pleasure to have you. Glad we uh, finally made it happen after uh, years of talking yeah. about it. Absolutely. Yeah, thanks, I had a blast. Always, always enjoy getting to polish off my nice top ten list and uh, see how I'm feeling about games. Cool. All right. Well, until next time, I'm Brian Kozer. I'm Melissa Kozer. And you've been listening to Ten to One. Alright, so, uh, last thing before we go, we can keep this under three hours, guys. Uh, is there a game that you are looking forward to? Uh, one that's come out or, or not that you're looking forward to playing? Um, I really want to play Fields of Aural again. Mm. It has been so long. Like, we haven't played it since before we had Jillian. And every day, or not every day, but I'm always like, oh, let's play Fields of Aural again. Let's play Fields of Aural again. And Joe's played it at, like, I think he's put it three or four times recently <laughs> at a game night he hosts at our house when only one other person's able to make it. I'm like, come on, play with wow. me. Uh, so I'm looking forward so to play that one. Maybe that'll be my Valentine's Day present. Nice. We'll see. <laughs> it's an easy it's an present. Easy Valentine's Day for me, yeah. <laughs> like, that's, that's easy. I can check that off. Uh, for me, the game I'm looking forward to most... Uh, Capstone Games is putting out Pipeline, and mm. the art and the game just looks so good. Um, I had a big hand in development of it, so I nice. play tested it like over fifty times and helped really kind of shape the what the game became. And so I'm really invested in it, but it just looks re. I'm just really excited. The about artwork it. is gorgeous. Yeah. <laughs> 
We'll have to check Just that out. Just like print, get a copy of it and hang it on your wall. It's beautiful. Wow. So really excited about that. All right, Melissa. Okay, so right now we've uh, we've started playing Pandemic Legacy season two, and uh, we played the first season and enjoyed it. But personally, and I don't care what other people say, so far. I'm having a lot more fun with season two than season one, and I'm really excited about where uh, the story could go. Uh, just the thought of rediscovering new lands is super thrilling to me, and I can't wait to continue playing this game. We uh, were starting March uh, in the game. And then the other one is... Uh, the game that we spent a lot of money on. Uh, <laughs> how much did we spend on it? Uh, I prefer not to think about it. <laughs> um, well, you could buy like the the different tiers, and so we did. We get the platinum edition. No, no, okay, no. Okay, we got the gold edition, um, which was a fair bit of money, all the same. Anyway, it's called Wilson Wolf Affair, and I'm gonna let you explain it. Uh, yeah, it's like. Uh, uh, People that, uh, okay, so the theme is you find a box in your attic and it's got all this uh, memorabilia from 1930s animation and there's a character that's like uh, Felix the Cat or uh, uh, Mickey Mouse and uh, you start solving puzzles and the puzzles tie into an overarching story and eventually there's like a, a cult background. A conspiracy theory. Yeah, so uh, there's that and it's... Looked like a bunch of uh, pretty neat puzzles, so uh, hopefully it's good. Hopefully it's uh, like similar to a like a Sherlock Holmes consulting detective, but maybe a little bit more interactive puzzles. It's arriving next week, so we'll find out soon. We'll find out. Ooh, fun! Yeah, it's one of those. Uh, it was Kickstarter. Very risky things. Like I don't think they had designed a game before. Like a, a lot of the people in or the main guy involved. Um, has done like digital graphics and like theater prop design. Um, so it's going to be a hit or a, it's going to be like a home run or a strikeout. I don't think there's going to be any in between. Yeah. It's either going to be really great and amazing and a, an heirloom or it's going to be terrible and, and not work at all. So, and we've been, we've been waiting for fingers. this for a long, long time. So I really hope it's good. Yeah. I'm looking at this thing on Kickstarter right now. Yeah. This is bizarre. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, you like weird things, Joe. You might be interested. This is so weird. <laughs> oh my goodness. I think I might have to order this. This is just the weirdest looking thing I have ever seen in my entire life. <laughs> Looks kind of fun, doesn't it? Yeah. So uh, we'll let you know what we think. And uh, yeah, you should check it out. What is the platinum package yet you? Why is it? There's extra puzzles. It's like 75 and then 100 and then 125 or something like that on the the number of puzzles that you get. And uh like the viewfinder or viewmaster, I mean. Um that's only in the platinum. And I think there's there's a couple other things that are neat like that that are in the the higher tiers. So it just depends on how much you think you'll play it or or what in there you're you're really interested in getting so that's really cool cool that's really interesting yeah yeah it's supposed to arrive next week so we'll we'll let you know 
Um, for me, I was going to say Keyflower uh, was the one I was most interested in since we mentioned that one already. I'll say uh, uh, La Granja, I think, is the game that I've been uh, wanting to play for the longest that uh, we just haven't gotten around to ever trying. All right. Thanks so much, guys. All right. Have a good night. Bye.